Welcome to episode 767 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right here, team, welcome along to episode 767 of I Am Talk, not with Coach Sean Newsom and Bevan James Isles, we've got Scott Malini here today. Isn't that cool, huh? Isn't that cool? <laughs> Newsom, it's the first time he's never been able to do the show, and I, and I said, why don't we get Malina to be the guest host? I think it's a good idea, and I also think, you know, 10 years, just you and him, it's about time you guys had a few guest hosts now and then. Okay, you like that? I like this. Yeah. We can have some holidays. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You've been swimming this morning. I have. I had a, a short and sweet uh, session at Aquagym, my uh, favorite pool. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, at the moment, I'm in there five days a week. Why, why is it your favorite pool? Oh, uh, my buddy, one of my, well, maybe my best friend, uh, Brett Naylor, owns it, for one thing. And... Um, it's it's convenient and it's a quiet and I almost always have my own lane. Oh, that's so key. Hey, nothing worse than swimming with Muppets. Hey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I talk is proudly brought to you by Beam. Beam is creates high quality functional supplements for better balance, support, and recovery and sleep. You can check out the beam.com and you get the discount code IamTalk at checkout. Uh, John, I, was, I keep calling you John. It's okay. I've changed yeah. my habits. It's okay. You've done this. For, you are probably running on autopilot for the most part. Okay, so we've got patrons. You can go first. John Ennis. His uh, tipping point. Yeah, I'm not quite sure where that came from. Yeah. Uh, Florian Haig is the fast mofo. And Gavin Duffy is the big brew. Well, Gavin Duffy and John will be pretty happy that Scott Molina said it. Uh, this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. Uh, we've got a high five. We've got, we, we, I chucked some questions on, or a question on Facebook. Questions for Molina. And so we've got some questions from there. And I think I've got a few random I'm going to throw at you as well. Okay. Um, and then Coach's Corner, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to talk about... Uh, some advice, generic advice for the over 50s, um, but even over 60s, I guess it ap applies even more, the advice that I'm going to uh, try to convey today. Yeah. Well, you, how long have you been doing the sport for? I started in 1980, so that's um, almost consistently since then. So 41 years. Yeah. Yeah, well, 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 the experience you have is pretty phenomenal. Uh, and maybe a winger at the week at the end. Okay, team, so one of the big results that we had over last weekend, we had Super League Rotterdam. Rotterdam, it was another one of our arena races. Have you been getting into it? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Uh, you know, it's exciting. Uh, but the the new format with the pool and the indoor bikes and the indoor running, you know, it's it's. It's, well, COVID forced it all on, yeah. all, on everybody, but uh, I didn't think it would be that exciting, Yeah, but neither. it's turned out to be great. Did you do one of the ones in the 80s? Because in, in the France, they did the No, movies. no, no. I remember Brad Bevan and uh, Mark Allen and uh, Simon Lessing did it, uh, but no, I was um, I was just about the, at the end of my career then. I think it was about mid-90s when that happened. Okay. And um, But what a cool concept, huh? I have to admit, I watched the one in the 80s, and as a visual- 90s. Oh, sorry, in the 90s. It-, it it wasn't that exciting to watch. Well, I I think that the TV coverage was just in a, in its infancy for triathlon. Yeah, and so I would I'd imagine now um, the coverage would be a lot better. Well, and especially with the use of Zwift as a part of it, yeah. like it, it makes it really great to watch now, doesn't it? Yeah. So the results from last weekend, we had who took out the men's race? We had overall Martin Van 
Real took it out with 30 points. Alex Yee from Great Britain came in second, and then Raphael uh, came in third. So that was the male's race. In one, the- one comment on that. Go. Um, this guy who they said he let out the swim uh, on one of the first swims in 202 for the 200. Jeez. I mean that's moving along. <laughs> you know, this just goes to show you these guys are fast, and this, it's just top end racing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, but I mean, in, in my day, I don't know. We we probably had one guy, uh, Rick Wells, who could do that sort of time. What would you swim like if you were just doing oh, a hundred? If you in your peak, you're smashing a hundred. Uh, no, I'd go under, under a minute. Yeah, but uh, you know, two oh two for two hundred. That's booking. You know, that's moving along. So that was that was one of the standout things that. Uh, uh, I got I t- how, what t- was a takeaway from that race. Do you like the way they're doing the different, you know, that's the kind of swim, run, bike, you know, do you like the way they're throwing the format around? Yeah, yeah, I like it a lot. I think it changes things. Um, the thing about the Zwift racing is you can draft. Yeah. And so, um, like, just like, um, you know, Super League or ITU, but um, the advantage for 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 that uh, it, drafting is that the, the runners do... Um, have an advantage yeah because they can sit in on the bike and so if you put the swim at the end then the swimmers have the advantage yeah which is quite cool isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. so that's cool yeah kind of it, it makes it more fear race overall doesn't it yeah i think yeah. it does okay females race we had sophie corwell take it out beth potter from the uk and then anna good god Goody, I'm going to say. Uh, so, yeah, so just some really good racing. Yeah, it, as you said, I just think it's another aspect to the sport that keeps it entertaining. I think it's going to be really exciting when, when crowds evolved. Yeah, yeah. So, and the Brits, man, Sophie Coldwell and Potter, man, those chicks are running fast. You um, maybe mentioned uh, last week yeah. that girl Potter ran 1441 for 5K. I and I don't know if it's the shoes, <laughs> they probably count for something. Yeah. Um, but man, that woman, I mean, she's legit. She was a, a British 10,000 meter champion on the track and, uh, represented, uh, uh, Britain at the Olympics, uh, in running in Rio. And so, uh, very exciting to see her, uh, f- looks like fully commit to triathlon now. What's your thoughts on the shoes? My, they're faster. They're yeah. definitely But do you fast. think they should be banned or? I don't think you can. I don't think. It's like the super bikes. It's like swimsuits. It's like, it's just technology, you know, uh, making people, helping people to go faster. Yeah. No, I don't think, I don't think you can go back. Uh, no, every, every company's developing a shoe like that now. So it's, it's much more, everybody's got the same opportunity yeah. to, to, to use that sort of technology. Well, as a fan, I know you're a triathlete and to the core, but of the three sports, as an individual sport, what are you favorite to watch? Like do cycling, you, you do? Yeah, yeah. I'm still, even though the, you know, the history of cycling is so checkered, <laughs> <laughs> I still love it as a as a as a sport, a spectacle, and and I appreciate, you know, how much those guys suffer. Yeah. You know, uh, so, um, but I, I watch athletics. I, I watch swimming usually, uh, like the World Championships and the Olympics, especially when the Olympics roll around. I'm glued to the TV. I'm uh, watching lots of sports, but that's when I really get into swimming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, another piece of news is that we've got a new title sponsor for Kona. It's a company called uh, Super uh, Sabians. Um, they basically are using a glucose device to help you. I remember a few years ago we were in Kona and Daniel Pughes, who's you know a bit of a top-end scientist, he yeah. had one of these stuck to his arms and this would be about six years ago a long time ago and it was kind of you saying this is going to be the new thing well i did read through all the um the blurbs uh from that company abbott abbott's huge 200 million 
billion. A billion, sorry, 200 billion. Yeah, it's a massive company. So this connection for uh, WTC, for Iron Man, is obviously a very good one. Yeah. It's not a small company. No. Um, but I, 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 I was looking at this thing thinking, how can this thing monitor your blood glucose instantly? Yeah. And, um, and then I, I, I didn't read all of the papers, uh, the, the, the research papers that went into developing this product, but I did read their blurbs about how it works. And it, it's, it, it's a little needle that goes into your skin and it measures your blood glucose, uh, instantaneously yeah. really. And f- uh, sends a signal to this app on your, uh, phone and um yeah it's it's it seems to be too good to be true yeah uh you know and 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 usually when it's too good to be true it you know it usually is you know i don't believe it and so uh but this time it it looks like it's it's incredible science and um it could be a real game changer couldn't it because ultimately what you're learning is you're getting instant feedback it's kind of like a power meter on the bike isn't it yes so you're getting instant feedback of what's happening with your nutrition so you can make better choices instead of kind of guessing and hoping that's right and and to to they they give advice about keeping your blood glucose in a certain level a certain window yeah uh, is optimal uh too low and you're you know you you're probably uh impeding your recovery and um and uh getting a diminished workout and too high uh you're getting um, uh, more muscle damage through inflammation and so i don't know i mean it's it's probably a little bit too high tech for me to try and use now but um but it's interesting isn't it because you you were in a time in the infancy of the sport when you were running racing as a pro and science kind of wasn't a big factor as a part of it. You guys were kind of figuring it out as you were going. And I know for you, hot races were always a real struggle for you. And that's why, you know, you got your Kona win, but Kona wasn't really made for you. Uh, Imagine if you'd had a device like this as an athlete, you know, do you ever think to yourself, shit, if I had the science I had today, what could have I been? A little bit, a little bit. But I also think um, it might have impeded uh, or my progress because uh, I wasn't limited by information, any information. I didn't know anything, yeah, yeah. any, I didn't know anything. So it's like, I, I didn't know what was wrong, yeah. uh, what was right. And so it was very much a feel thing. Uh, certainly in races, you know, like not having a power meter or not having a heart rate monitor, you never felt like you were going, going too hard really yeah you okay. thought i should go harder oh really yeah you know i, I can go harder so it was about containing yourself yeah uh, for the most part you know it was, but it, you weren't limited by numbers yeah okay yeah yeah so one other thing on this um, piece here is that it's good for iron man because if you think of the this title sponsors in the last few years sometimes you'll turn up to conan they've announced it two days beforehand which means it's a bargain sale for the sponsors and that, some of the sponsors have been that's right pretty mickey mouse they had ford for a long time yeah and that was obviously a pretty big sponsor yeah um but you know a company like what was the name of abbott the, abbott something like abbott 200 billion dollars and they're not just um, investing in kona they're investing in quite a few of the top races that yeah. put on yeah each year. no i'd say it's it's really good for the sport in general yeah it just is have, have companies of that size thinking okay this is our target market Market. Uh, last weekend, we, we recently had uh, Florida 70.3. Uh, some other big wins here as well. Yeah. Um, uh, here we go. Here. Just clicking on the. Yeah, we got. Well, first of all, we had Emma Pallant take out the win in the females race. She had a really strong uh, swim bike run. She came in first over. Now, they don't have the actual people here, but we're going to say second would have been Smith and Jackson third. 
Now that might be not be official. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's right. That is right. So, so Emma Pallant took it out that race, and then the males race in fourth place. We had Bart Arnott's take out the males race. We haven't actually heard. I know last year we had race, but he hasn't done a lot. Remember when we wrote he had that great race, didn't he? Yeah, it, he did. You know, and so it's good to see him still at it. Uh, same with Emma Pallant. I, she's she's done everything from cycling to running to you know duathlon, and uh, it's good to see her still having uh, the desire to put herself through all the training to, you know, race at this level. How did you find that in the last part of your career? The desire, you know, because I know you kind of lose your speed, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And I, and I was I was pretty broken. Uh, you know, I had 93 off because uh, I was so broken and then came back in 94 and half of 95 before I stopped. And so the desire was still there, um, but it was waning. You know, yeah. it, was, it was not, let's say if, 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 through my 20s desire was 100% then I was definitely running at you know 85 90% yeah. uh, when I when I stopped but I think it was um also cuz I had uh one child already yeah second on the way and uh so so life was changing life was changing and I knew that you know it was coming to an end and so I was just starting to move in a different direction how were your performances at that stage um not bad not bad in 94 95 they were okay like yeah. but there was um some Better guys, more talent uh, coming through. Uh, Simon Lessing uh, coming through, and Mark Allen was still racing really well. And so uh, um, Miles Stewart. So I remember a few guys. Yeah. So I, my I didn't get as many wins on the board as I did previously. Yeah. Uh, even though my level was probably the same. Yeah. What was it like when Nissan turned up? You know, because there's, there's always the passing of the guard, isn't there? Yeah. You know, and I remember a few years ago when I think it was um, Keenley won Kona. And there was just this period where the young guys weren't coming. Yeah. And Mecca was always giving a bit of shit, kind of saying, you know, come on, young guys, where are you? And then yeah. Keenley won, and, you know, Keenley's pretty out there. Yeah. And he was like, old buggers, piss off, you know, you know <laughs> kind of. And there was this moment where there was always a transition. And, there's a, you know, for you, that listening was the moment, wasn't there? Yeah. And it happened a few years earlier because I, I was able to re- race with Simon on a, a team yeah. at the French Iron Tour. Yeah. And he was on my team. And at the very first stage, uh, he, I knew he, who he was and he was having great results. But I, I showed up in great shape uh, with Mike Pig and Jimmy Riccatello and Wes Hobson. What a team. Andy Carlson. Good guys. Stats. Really, really good guys. And we were all fit and motivated. And it's like, okay, we got Simon on our team. We're going to crush this thing, right? And the very first uh, stage was a prologue. Uh, 750 swim, 20K bike, 5K run. And... We drafted off Andy on the swim, but then Simon and Mike Pig on the bike just were, we were barely hanging on. And then on the run, Simon had to push most of the team. He was running behind them, <laughs> pushing them. I've, I've told the story. And, and he, he'd pushed them right past us. And then he would drop back and go get whoever got dropped behind Jeez. and push them all right past us, <laughs> hand on the back, and push them right did past he, us. Did and he then, push and, you? No, he didn't. Mike Pig and I, Mike Pig and I, are yelling at each other. Don't get pushed. We ain't gonna get pushed. And uh, so anyway, it was it was just so clear that this guy was so much better. Than yeah. Us. And I, and we were all in great shape. And in that moment, do you lose a bit of competitive edge? Uh, no, no, no. I thought I thought you know, there's always Iron Man. He, he's doing. <laughs> he's not doing that yet. Uh, so no, I I, I I was inspired by the guy straight away. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I heard he thinks that right now because when Brownlee came along, that happened. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm sure that a lot of guys um, said the same thing. It's like you know, 
we let's get out of ITU and 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 go to half Ironman yeah. or, or Ironman. Who do you yeah. think is that right now? Um, Can you see that at the moment in ITU? Well, good question. Um, the French guy who uh, uh, had the uh, penalty in Daytona, he'd been romping Super League and, and ITU uh, lately. You know, he's, he might be a guy that thinks I'm nearing the end of my career, and I know he's hanging on till, till Tokyo now, but um, I can't place his name, but I can't remember my own Is it name. Louis? Louis. Yep. Vincent Louis. And so, you know, a guy like that, you know, might might think, you know, when he, especially when he looks at the the Super League and the indoor racing that's happening now, and what guys like Yi and are are even Hayden Wild, Hayden Wild, you know, guys who, guys who are running, you know, thirteen thirty on the on the track for five k, and he, Vincent must be thinking, nah, I'm I'm not going to be able to run that. And Vincent fast. was the runner, wasn't he? He was, yeah, he was, and a good runner, but he's he's I mean he's he's not going to run that fast. Yeah, yeah. good and exciting race coming up in the next period of time because uh, Challenge have announced that the Grand Canaria race has got the all the men's Ironman World Champions from 2015 are going to be racing at this race. So it's a stack field. So you got Fredino, you got Keenley, and you've got uh, Pat- Patrick Langer. Yeah, Patrick Langer. That's a bit of a coup, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's going to be a good race. Um, I'd say. Based on Ferdinand's recent results, though, man, that guy is right back. Why, why is he so good? You know, I, I know he, he's very disciplined, uh, and, and and even though he's he's had his little periods of being broken with his back and then a stress fracture. Remember after he won the um, 70.3 World Champs in yeah. South Africa, he seemed like he was untouchable, was going to kill Kona, and got a stress fracture. And so... God, it seems like the desire is still there, you know? He's won everything. He uh, is, isn't he? He's won everything and been just about unbeatable for, what, five, six years now. Yeah. And so, um, I, I don't know. I haven't talked to him about it, so I don't, I don't know how he keeps his motivation, but uh, he seems to love it. Well, that's another example of science working, you know, because he's, what, 38, 39? You know, yeah. You know, so yeah. science for the longevity of a career has really changed the game, isn't it? Yeah, and 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 and, and the coaching. You know, yeah. uh, there's, he's obviously getting some very good advice. Um, although, you know, at his level, you know, he's, it, it's inevitable that you're going to break down at times. Yeah. Um, but he seems to have bounced back at at a at a time when you you think, okay, he's done everything. Why yeah. why would he put himself through all that misery to get back? You know, to the top level again, but but he's done it. It was interesting. You think of like a Chrissy who couldn't go. You know, eventually she quit because it was just she couldn't go back to that place. It was, you know, and you'd see Chrissy and Kona, and you you knew she had left nothing unanswered. She turned up. You know, she almost looked a bit sick at Kona at times, didn't she? Yeah. Um, And you know, for her, after I think she won four Konas, wasn't it? Yeah. After four, she was like, I just don't want to go back to that place it's just too demanding on my life and it's understandable isn't it yeah and and she probably also always knew or had an idea in her own mind that uh if she had established a platform to go on to do other things in the world you know be yeah significant things that she would use that platform and so she went you know after four times winning kona she had that platform and so i think in in her mind it was like what's five times or six times or seven times going to do for me now? You know, I've, 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 I've done what I wanted to do. The only problem is it robbed us of a Daniela Chrissy moment. Oh, how cool would have that been? Yeah. It would have been good. Yeah. That, <laughs> you know, like, because you don't see Daniela doing that. You see her being kind of like a Paul Ray, just kind of there to the end. Well, yeah, well, uh, you know, I'd never take it for granted, but, um, 
but yeah, she might be like that. And her, her, her teammate, Nicholas Spirig seems to be coming back for, uh, another, uh, Olympic team. Yeah. And, uh, in, in Tokyo, and she's been around forever as well. So, yeah, some of these women, um, you know, they just seem to even have kids and 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 want to come back. Yeah, it's so crazy. Uh, on on the Olympics, it's less than a hundred days to Tokyo. I just I thought it'd be a good chance to have a chat to you about the Olympics. I know the Olympics holds a special place in your heart because I remember you talking to me about your father took you to the Olympics. Was it Mexico? Was it? Um, Montreal. Montreal. 1976. And um, it was life changing. Yeah, there was a moment that really made you go, I want to be. Tell us about it because it's such a cool story. Well, I, we watched um, a variety of sports because um, uh, we were kind of late to booking uh, our trip and our tickets and all that. Because <laughs> <laughs> my, my, dad, my dad was just a working dude, he, he was just a factory worker at, yeah. Dow, at Dow Chemical. And um, so, uh, you know, it wasn't a sure thing. And there was seven kids in my family, wow. and I was the only one that that got to go. Oh, really? How'd that happen? Well, I was just the the serious athlete, really, okay. and I was into it. I How old were you at the stage? I was sixteen. Okay, right. And so I was just into it, and uh, and uh, so we went to Montreal. We watched uh, mostly track and swimming, and uh, some of the free stuff from the side of the road, like the marathon, yeah, um, which was incredible. Um, Frank Shorter got a uh, silver there, and um, but the but I remember the most moving thing was when John Walker won the fifteen hundred meters. Really? I was in the stadium, wow! And I thought, look at that guy. He is the most. You know, I thought this is he's and he was cool too, wasn't oh, he? He had long hair, yeah, yeah, you know, and he was buffed, yeah. And you know, it was just the whole package. And yeah. I thought that is what I want to do. Yeah. And so I was a swimmer kid at the time. I, well, I was running cross country and track, but I wasn't so into that at the time. But then I kind of moved into running shortly after that, really full time. I, I'm so gutted because I was just a little bit too young to know Walker's years. Yeah. Like as a kid, you knew, you knew of John Walker because he's a New Zealand icon. Yeah. Um, and I remember seeing news pieces where he's trying to be 100 sub four minute Ks, you know, like <laughs> beast, you know. And he did it too, didn't he? I think he did. Sub four minute miles. Yeah, four sub, so yeah, yeah, that's right. He yeah, did. no, he did like wake up and run the sub four minute miles. <laughs> like, like, you know, putting on your pants. But he was just a beast, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. No, what an amazing man. And so, so this year we've got the Olympics coming up and it's been a, you know, COVID postponing it. It's been, is it going to happen? But it doesn't look like it's going to go ahead. Uh, first of all, what are your thoughts on the triathlon and both the males and the females? And who are you, who are you kind of thinking? Well, the British team's looking amazing in the women's uh, as opposed to uh, American women in the past eight years, you know. Um, but um, as far as overall strength, uh, same for the British men. Incredible. Um, I like our, our young Kiwi Hayden Wilds' chances. Does, uh, it, does the fact that he doesn't have other people? No, it doesn't. It's, if his swim's good enough that he can get out of the water and, sit in, and sit in the pack, you know, and, and follow the moves, yep. any, any significant moves, you have to be very attentive, of course, because there will be some team tactics yeah. going on. Um, uh, um, let's see who else. Uh, who who of the old guard? You know, like is the Brownleys? Either the Brownleys? Is it too late and long in the tooth for those guys? Well, I, on recent form, you'd have to say they're probably not going to get there. Yep. Um, and I don't think uh, Alistair's chances uh, after having moved to long stuff uh, at his at his age. Yeah. Uh, he's coming back to. Be, to be able to go this fast yeah. as fast as these guys are going I just don't see it um, and and 
his brother Jonathan is a little bit younger, but it's the same thing on recent form. You'd have, you have to say, well, hmm, doesn't look that great. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but looking at other countries, you know, um, there are a few guys around the world, like this guy who just won this um, latest uh, Super League race, um, uh, that seemed to be pretty good. But, um, you know, I think it's still pretty wide open. Yeah. What about the teams? Um, it's, great, it's a great dynamic for the Olympics. It is. It, it yeah. is. And you only got to have two of each. Yeah. But, but again, British, British seem to have the, the depth yeah. right at the moment. Um, so I, I would, I would, at the moment, I'd be predict- predicting them first and second. Unfortunately for uh, New Zealand, we, we have, uh, two pretty good guys. Our women are just a little bit, um, behind the, behind at the moment yeah. to, to, uh, have the Kiwis be, uh, competitive in the team. Same with Australia. They don't, they don't seem to have, uh, enough of the top five, top six in the world that you would need to, to so win. So you're really saying it's been a Great Britain? Yeah, it seems yeah. like both men and women at the moment, they're the favourites. Wow. Uh, Olympics, you know, when you sit down, you know, like uh, for me, it's right off two weeks of my life kind of moment, the Olympics. <laughs> you know, like I remember when we in the Great Britain because it was the worst time for us when they were in Great Britain. And I had to go to work to Asia for work after about, they're only about 10 to 12 days, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. So after about seven days, I had to go to Asia for work and I was so glad because I just wasn't <laughs> sleeping. Right. And so what are, you, what are the highlights for you just for the Olympics as an overall? Well, I, li- I like a lot of sports. I, like, I would never, ever watch, let's say, gymnastics. Yeah. You know, uh, I would probably never, ever watch any other sports like uh, water polo. You yeah. Know? Uh, and so I always... You're right. You just you get sucked in, <laughs> you do, <don't> and uh, <laughs> you start watching all these things that you never watch. Uh, volleyball, you know. Uh, oh God, you name it. Um, but I, I do watch a lot of athletics, a lot of swimming, uh, even weightlifting at times. Was is is those really, guys? Are, they're probably drugged up, but they're phenomenal, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> you know the weight they're lifting. <laughs> Just, even the tiny guys yeah you know, like five foot four bulgarians you know whack <laughs> it's like 100 kg straight over his head it's like what um yeah so i, I you're right I, it's it's one of those times uh during your life when you you do need to reschedule most of your life <laughs> yes, put put the rest of life on life what, on what, hold. what are your favorite moments as a fan of the well, you know when you look back over all the olympics you've watched are there some moments that really stand out um well, I had I had a bunch of heroes uh, early on um, in swimming uh, and in track, and uh, w- when they came through, won the gold medals. Remember this swimmer uh, when I was a swimmer kid named Brian Goodell. He was a f- like the first guy to swim around fifteen minutes for fifteen hundred meters. Okay. Jeez, uh, really? Yeah, and uh, so he was one of my idols. And when he won the gold, I think he won the gold in the fifteen hundred. You know, that was just like okay, oh, yeah, I got to be like him. Really? Yeah, uh, but um. Let's see what else. When Joan Benoit won the first women's marathon, well, that's a that's phenomenal. Because was it was she had a, 84, 84. and she had, she'd been injured, hadn't she, leading yeah. into it? Yeah, she yeah. had a, a, a knee surgery. Just, and, and they said, "Let her go," didn't they? Yeah, they thought oh, she's injured. She's nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was just like <laughs> pedaling up a, a hand cycle, <laughs> doing doing all this other stuff that she could do to get to stay in shape. And not lose it, and then she just ran away with it. It was amazing. Um, and that was LA as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hot, and she had this funny little funky <laughs> trucker hat on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and let's see what else. What a moment stand out. Uh, 
uh, oh, cycling uh, that year, I think was uh, the Alexi Graywall won the gold in the men's and Connie Carpenter won the gold in the women's road race. That was amazing. Um, and so by then I was doing triathlons in 84, so I was following cycling quite a bit. Well, that was one of the things that got me to move to Boulder, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Because yeah. this was a cyclist yeah, yeah. Yeah. So all the great, all the best American cyclists were training out of Boulder. And then uh, let's Did you see. get to connect with them? Did you train with them? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, I, was, I was pretty lucky in that way uh, because, uh, especially because um, a good buddy of mine, Ray Browning, Ironman, good Ironman yeah. guy. I won, I think, seven Ironman titles. We had him on Legends. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. So he he made uh, friends with Davis Finney, uh, who was the king of cycling in America at that time. And so because Ray got to train with Davis, then triathletes were sort of accepted as, okay. as, as you know, yeah. okay, though. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll let them tag along. You can sit at yeah. the back. Yeah, you can sit at the back. Yeah. And, but did uh, you know your place? Did you know you could? You could uh, yeah, I mean, I got to, I also um, got to know a few of the other guys a little bit because um, when we were training in the winter in San Diego, some of the uh, top cyclists would come and train with us in January and February okay. before they went to Europe or before it warmed up in Boulder. And so, like, I got to ride with Andy Hampston, for example, the guy who won the uh, 88 Giro Italia. And uh, so, you know, you get you get some street cred if you hang with those guys, you know, train with those guys. And uh, uh, then, you know, the other cyclists think, okay. you know, What were you learning from them at that time? Um uh, mostly the, the patience to do the long boring shit. Oh, really? Yeah, long boring rides. You know, those guys have tremendous patience really? to do five or six hour rides. Yeah. You know, lots and lots and lots of them. Really? So yeah. just mass volume. Yeah, they ride a lot. So yeah. they ride so much. And then they just, you know, it's just chit chat and listen to something on your radio or your podcast. Or yeah. that was before podcasts, yeah. actually. So your CD players or, yeah. you know, or, or just nothing. Just. Just twiddling away, you know, just riding easy, moderate, you know, hours and hours and hours a week. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's a different kind of life, isn't it? Um, Swift Running League has been launched, and so it's basically like the cycling league they've had, and it's a running league, and they're also going to have some duathlons. Um, just, just an interesting, another aspect that's been brought to our sport as an overall, isn't it? Well, you know, I haven't actually followed the cycling uh, no, I can't league, league too much, no. and so the, the, this new thing, you know. Have you done the Swift on a, on a treadmill? No, never. No, neither. No. No. It'll be interesting to see how popular it is. So did you see in Peloton in America being sued because a child died on a treadmill? I think it was this week I read the article. Yeah, and they're being sued for safety, and it's, it's turning out to be a real big problem. Yeah. So I don't, I don't get it, it because it encourages this kid to keep going or something? I, I don't know. No, I don't know. I, I, I don't know the full details of how the child passed yeah. away, unfortunately. But, yeah, the health and safety of it. Which is interesting. Which is, you know, because treadmills do have a higher risk factor, don't they? If you're racing, you know, like you've worked in gyms, you've seen people fall off treadmills, yeah. you know. And, yeah. You know, I, I, yeah, I don't see how uh, somebody could be responsible uh, from a distance uh, yeah. encouraging a kid to, to kill themselves somehow. Yeah. No, I, I don't. I wonder what will happen with that. Yeah, maybe yeah. it's nothing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just, I think we are moving into a moment where. Well, it's really obvious right now that racing is changing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it says here that um, the league now has over 1,800 teams and recently announced Duathlon League yeah. has 1,600 participants in its first season. I mean, that's a lot of people. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, indoor 
training and racing is here to stay i'd say yeah yeah and, and it's only going to get better yeah you know like it's you know when you think of the technology we're moving toward it's pretty yeah. phenomenal stuff okay we're gonna do hot topic discussion of the week and uh just go to our facebook you know where that is scott i'm just kind of training the new host on the job uh go to facebook and look for our discussion of the week the discussion was what would be your ultimate one day epic triathlon challenge so if you could design the ultimate challenge for yourself as a triathlete, what would that be? And I'm just kind of pulling up the page myself here right now. So if I go down to discussion of the week, yep, there it is. Okay, we had 16 comments and I'm going to start with, I'll go first, Scott. I've got Gareth Beck. He's got swim without getting ice cream head while still being able to feel my feet and my feet and run with a cake at the end. Simple things in life. Epic is the time for when life is getting back to normal. Have you got the page? I'm just bringing it up. I'm not as quick as you. So you go to you go to Iron Talk and then you look for I'll do the next one. I'll go Grant Clifford. Sounds like many sprint triathlons as you can do in 24 hours. The record is 11 and 24. That's a cool idea, isn't it? Yeah. How many sprint triathlons you could complete in 24 hours? Oh my god. <laughs> You'd be pretty sore at the end of it. Are you, have you found it? Yeah, what would your sixteen comments? Oh my goodness! I'm, yeah, so I've done I've done Gareth and Grant. I'm amazed that um, that many people would would even be interested in this this idea. <laughs> it was John's idea. I'll give him credit right. for that. Okay, so Thomas uh, O'Quirk. Yep, one that actually went ahead that I could train for <laughs> would be a start. <laughs> that or an Iron Man brand actually becoming customer focused. So that's a, he's a little bit sour there. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, Kevin McGregor's got Norseman. You haven't done Norseman, have you? Uh, no, I've done uh, Keltman. What did you do, Keltman? In Scotland, yeah. What was that like? Oh my God. <laughs> my marathon time was seven hours and 20 minutes, I think. Really? Oh. No. So how much trekking, how much running? Um, 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 well, time wise, uh, about half and half. Okay. But the uh, only reason is because I'm such a bad technical runner on the really okay. rocky stuff. Yeah, okay. Uh, like we were going along these knife edge ridges uh, on top of these Monroe's. Is it scary? Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm so bad at that stuff. Where if you fall, you it's know. It's game over. Uh, well, you might not die, but <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to want to wish you had because you're going to be so mangled. But, uh, you know, you see people just, that are good at that. Mountain goats that just go boop, 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 boop. You know, there's hopping from rock to rock yeah. and flying past me and uh, gone, you know. And so, no, I'm, I was just so bad at the technical part uh, that, uh, you know, took me ages. But Did I, you enjoy it? Uh, oh yeah at the event overall yeah it was an amazing event longest event i've ever done by far i think i was i was out there well over 15 hours wow. um but um incredible event incredible part of the world is this so obviously the the run is, is epic but is the cycle pretty tough as well yeah it was and it was also 202 kilometers huh. yeah yeah, windy, hilly. Yeah, <laughs> you're really selling it. Yeah. No, I mean those 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 extreme events are super challenging. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm glad I did one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Paul Dennett's got uh, this weekend, 10th of April. I'm running the London to Bristol 112 miles, raising money for children in Hospice South West Charity. Nice work, Paul. Hopefully it went well. Wow, where are you getting this? I'm 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 up to Peter Colson. Oh, you, you do Peter? Yep. Oh, you've done that one. Yep. Yeah, Richard Swan. You haven't done that one yet. No, you? no, you do, you do, you do Peter, and I'll do Richard. Peter, Peter Colson, twenty-four triathlons, starting on the hour, every hour for twenty-four hours. Distance probably four hundred meters, twelve k, three k. That'd be pretty tough, wouldn't it? 
Well, 24 of those? Yeah, 24 times 3K. Let's see. What's that? That's almost that's 70, almost 70K running? Jeez. Yeah, that's a lot, Peter. It <laughs> is pretty lot. Uh, Richard Swan's got Swim the Quick Straight, Bike the uh, Kakora Park, uh, uh, and then laps of the park, 42 laps of the park, probably, probably around 1K each. So Swim the Quick Straight. Oh, man. Richard, Richard, you don't know how hard that is. I think the record's about... Uh, seven hours, but most people do it in about nine. Because it's all tidal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that that would you you'd have to get that. Well, based on the mountains now, he might be. Well, you know, he, he seems up to it right now. Well, that was a very impressive topo. <laughs> he tells you off if you get it wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll be told off. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was an, that was a very impressive swim. Yeah, that was pretty awesome, wasn't yeah. it? You can finish off with David. David Manley. Yeah. At the moment, actually go for a swim. So his pool must not be open. Uh, okay. Actually ride outside <laughs> and any sort of run over 10K. Yeah, look at it. What's that face? He's crying. <laughs> yeah, he's being tortured uh, from, from uh, being stuck inside, obviously. It's, um, we have been pretty lucky, haven't we? New Zealanders, we, it's oh, one of those, you know, there's a famous song in New Zealanders, we don't know how lucky we are. It's, it's by a guy called Fred Dagg, right. you know, and, uh, and it kind of just represents that Kiwis just don't really realise the kind of lifestyle we have. But with COVID, we've just had it so sweet and yeah. the, the world's suffering so much, even to this day, you know, we've opened our borders to Australia, you know, like it's, you just, we're so lucky, aren't we? Especially as athletes. Yeah, yeah, no, we, especially the South Island. Yeah. You know, Aucklanders have had it uh, harder, harder than we have, uh, but no, it's just like life is normal here. It's so funny when I see people go into the supermarket countdown and they uh, do the COVID tracing app yeah. with their phone. I'm like, there, <laughs> there hasn't been anybody <laughs> has COVID in the South Island for how long? Six months? Yeah, More? I don't yeah. know. Whatever. It's like ever, yeah. you know, it's like, and yet it's like people are just, you know, we'll do the right thing and we'll, you know. Well, it definitely helps that we are a kind of compliant country, aren't we? We, we yeah. you know, we do just kind of, yeah, hey, let's do this. It's going to work. You know, yeah. we don't, we don't, we don't distrust our government here, do we? No, no. Yeah, uh, but it's, it's, I'm, I'm still amazed after this many months uh, that people are still thinking, you know, we need to watch out and be vigilant and yeah, all that. Yeah. 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 Uh, what, what would be your epic one day triathlon challenge? Well, one day. Good question. I mean, I do like those really hard events. You yeah. know, I've done a, a number of, of really difficult triathlons over the years. And, um, but if I had to, if, if it wasn't a race like Keltman, um, you know, uh, I'd probably, I'd probably do something similar to what you guys did for the, um, was it, was it the 10th year anniversary or yeah, whatever? Yeah. Uh, Akaroa yeah. ride. Swim across the bay. The- Swim across the bay, yeah. Akaroa ride, and uh, run was out on Godly Head, right? Yeah, we, yeah. yeah, that was beautiful. Yeah. It was actually a pretty cool course, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it'd probably be something like that. So what we did is we, we swam over, was it Case Bay? Was it? Uh, no, Corsia Bay. Corsia Bay. Uh, Quay, was it across the... Quail Quay, Island Quay, back? Quay, yeah, Quail yeah, Island that's back. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. we swam, it's, a, it's basically one of the big ports, Littleton. Yeah. Um, so we swam across the air, and then the next day, we actually did over three days, or, uh, or, or two and a half right. days. But if you did in one day, oh my God, that would be a crazy yeah. day. Yeah. So then you then you jumped on the bike, and we rode to Akaro and back, and that's a good challenging ride, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good... They do it as a race called La Race. How many times have you done the race? Uh, probably three or four. It's a great race, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you're in New Zealand, you haven't done it. It's just because it's, it's honest. Yeah. You know, you can't sit in the pack in that race, can you? No, 
<laughs> just you're honest. And then we did a run, which is maybe one of the beautifulest runs in the world, where you kind of run past your area, don't you? Yeah, that's my local yokel run. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's paradise. It yeah, is. Yeah, you know, that's just absolutely paradise. And it's a good, challenging run as well. Yeah, yeah, that, that would be a good epic day for me. If if it was a race, I'd love if I ever got back to doing long distance, Norsham would be the one. Right. You know, or like a Kelpman, just to do that right. kind of. Can you survive? Yeah. You know, that kind of thing was always really appealing. Yeah. Or doing big landmarks. So you could do like a 5K swim, 200K bike, and a 50K run. So you're just doing big chunks of, you know, the, right. the big numbers. Yeah. Something like that in a day would be pretty cool as well. And somewhere beautiful. Yeah. You know, it, it, the scenery would have to be pretty stunning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, I'm going to get you to answer this week's question for next week, but next week's question because you won't be here next week. So what era had the best triathlon fashion? Were, were you were you cool with fashion when you were training, when you were an athlete? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, Scott Tinley was the cool fashion guy. Oh, was he? Yeah, and then he started his own clothing line, yeah, yeah. of course. Uh, and he sold it, didn't he? He sold it to Reebok, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he did. And uh, so, no, I was, I just was not cool uh i did have a uh, long hair and a ponytail but a lot of guys did at that time i oh, think the, the oh, we also had kenny souza in my era oh yeah you know and he was just you know magazine cover boy uh so. did he really get a lot more covers because he was just cool oh yeah he was, oh really yeah because he won everything too yeah yeah but yeah he had the big hair like a, the 80s uh, and he had the big oakley's glasses he kind of yeah. made those popular didn't he yeah he helped uh, Oakley out a lot and uh but he had the big hair like the big hair bands you yeah know, Aerosmith and uh Van Halen those guys you know that was the kind of hair you had so no I wasn't I wasn't what although I will say I think you have arguably the best Kona photo finish you look cool in that photo um you do you do because yeah. well, you, you were Nike weren't you that was pretty retro yeah I just had running shorts and a singlet yeah and and, uh, and you look pretty relaxed obviously. And, a, and a hat yeah, yeah. You so actually look pretty cool in that shot. So that was pretty retro stuff back then. I mean, you you don't see anybody uh, running in running gear, running gear nowadays. Yeah, yeah. No, not at all. Yeah, yeah. good time. So we got, the question for this week is: What era had the best triathlon fashion? Ooh, um, it certainly was not the eighties. I, I would say wasn't wasn't when the mankini uh, <laughs> uh, phase either. Uh, I would say it's. It's probably right now because of the the fabrics and the fashion in the one piece stuff has gotten a lot better. Yeah, it looks better. Yeah, <laughs> because it did look terrible at times. Didn't yeah, it? it did. Okay, let's get into the high five. One, two, three, four, high five. Okay, so on Facebook, I just jumped on Facebook earlier this week, and I just said Melina's going to be on the show. He's going to be the guest host. So, what are some questions that you have for Scott Melina? Just in anything at all, and I might throw a few random questions in there. And I'm just pulling this up myself right now. So here we go. So question number one is from I've got Christopher Doyle. This does Scott Melina. Okay. Uh, oh, he doesn't even give a question. Okay, John Hancock, top tip. Scott, you once talked about bike tires. Just spend the money on new tires before the race. It's on less. It's one less thing that can go wrong on the day. Such sensible advice. He also said the iPod was the greatest technology for breakthrough and triathlon, which he totally agrees. He would love to hear some of the funny epic stories from early on in the epic kind of... Because how long has epic been going for now? Well, we started in 2003. Um and uh let's see it was gordo there was only uh i'll, I'll tell you that's that that was a good camp uh it was me and um gordo uh plus what's Klaus? I, I don't think klaus was there 
Okay. Could have been maybe, but I but I know Chris McDonald was there. A guy named John Mergler, who many people will know of, who recently tried to do a hundred Ironmans in a hundred days, <laughs> uh, and a, a very a guy who became a very good friend of mine, uh, Char Andrew Charles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, we had a good group and uh, and no, just winging it really. Uh, we did have a support crew and all that, but um, we had an amazing weather. Uh, that was here. That was here, South yeah. Island, um, Tekapo, 240K the first day. So we did swim, bike, run every day. And then we went to Wanaka. We had amazing winds down there. And then we went to um, Queenstown. And then we went to, where did we go from there? Shit. Probably made our way back. Yep. Um, I can't remember exactly. but um, So that was 2003 when it started. And then uh, from there we did... Uh, Let's see, we did one on the North Island, and then we started to branch out a bit more. We did one in Colorado, I think in 2004. We were doing two a year yep. then. And uh, so we usually we would do one in New Zealand and one somewhere else. Yeah. And so we, we went to France, we went to Italy. Um, and about just after about then, I think we went to Australia, we did this amazing camp uh, over 12 days where it was just incredibly hot at times. And... Um, that's when John Newsom uh, came along. <clears throat> I think uh, Peter O'Brien was was the main um, director for that camp, but I think John John might have uh, come along maybe just after that. So I think John Newsom came into the camp at about I'll guess 2007 or eight. Yeah, I, I think he did the Australian one. I do remember him talking of the Australian okay, one. Okay. Yeah, he I did. think I did. The, I think I came around 2007. I think that's the first one I did. Right. With well, the one of the New Zealand ones. Right. Yeah. I was don't it think North I, Island one? Maybe? No, I never did a North Island oh, okay. one. Okay. Yeah. So it was the South Island one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Was it West Coast one where, where yeah. we where it were rained and yeah. rained and rained? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember you and I did a ride. Where were we going? We, we actually went down, we went towards, um, where were you cross over to the West Coast? Uh, I can't remember, but you and I, we were riding and we just got pulled on for like five hours straight. Lewis passed me? Yeah, you, yeah, that's yeah, the one. And yeah. you and I, and we were just, and we get into the cab and we're just drenched. Uh, uh, I remember you talking about, uh, maybe it was last week on the show, about when you're um, training and you're getting really, really tired. Yeah. And because uh, you were talking about team racing. Okay. Uh, and uh, adventure racing. Yeah. And how it would be difficult yeah. to go with no sleep. And just go and go and go and go. Yeah. And yet you have to work with your teammates. Yeah. And Epic Camp was a lot like that. And we did have um, some blow-ups, uh, I remember, <laughs> uh, particular on that camp down the West Coast. You probably remember this. I was there, yeah. You were there that year. And, and two best friends, you know, just were about to beat the <laughs> crap out of each other. And uh, <laughs> it was true. It did strain their friendship. It really did, that camp. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, both of them were just shattered and, yeah. uh, and just about to beat, come, into, come, to, <laughs> really come, come to blows. And one of them was obviously a little bit stronger. And then when he kind of went to the next level, that guy knew to shut up. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, there was so, yeah, we had, we had, had so many um, good camps. Where, where did the germ of the idea start? Well, it, it, it was, it was um, an idea. Gordo and I trained a lot together uh, in, from about 2001, I think. Yeah. And um, when he was just starting out uh, tr wanting to be a pro triathlete. And um, so some, somewhere around 2002, uh, we came up with the idea that wouldn't it be nice to um, do two things, uh, have a big camp and because um, he was coaching, so yeah. was I. And uh, it's like give the people op the opportunity to see what, 
um, the pros train like yeah. and just make it a more of an adventure yeah. and also give uh, people who have done lots of Ironmans the opportunity to do something different, yeah. you know, other than just go to another Ironman. You know, yeah. if you, once, once you've done 10 of them, you know, like Andrew Charles, good example, yeah. you know, John Mergler, uh, you know, what else is there in triathlon other than just going to races? And so that's, that's how the idea germinated uh, and, and got off the ground. Seriously, if you get a chance to do an epic camp, make sure you do, because it's, it really is just a life-changing experience, isn't it? You know, like you just, you, you, and as you said, the, the germ of the idea was to get people to experience what a real pro lives like. Yeah. And you, and you do, man, man, you just, yeah. and you're just self-discovery. Yeah. You know, what? You, even if, you know, Ironman athletes are pretty tough people anyway, yeah. but you just realise there's more. Yeah. You know, like you just realise, like I, I remember these days where you're just like, I, I can't even get out of bed. Yeah. Next thing you know, you're, you're killing it. You know, you're not just surviving, you're actually yeah. blitzing it. And there's yeah. just something about that environment. Yeah. It just brings something out of you, eh? Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Okay, next question. Um, Ian Wood's got, the secret to staying competitive, competitive and injury-free, which we're kind of do. actually, we might leave that because it's kind of... That's, the, my, that's my main um, yeah. topic for uh, my coach's corner. Okay, Arnold's got, what are your thoughts on racing the 70.3 with the current 10-meter draft zone? It's not enough. No. Yeah. No, not at the speeds they're going. 45K an hour. Yeah. Uh, at, at If you're sitting third or fourth or fifth wheel you know you're, you're sitting in a in a big old draft so what would you like it, i think 12 is the minimum but 20 is probably the best but then does it what, what about the it's, pass it's then? very hard i think the passing part is should be changed so what, what would you well, like well like um lucy charles got a, a penalty for passing on the inside the other day on the racetrack that was that was one thing and then uh, there was another woman who got um who dropped into the middle she didn't go from the from she didn't pass everybody at yeah. this at once, right? And so with a 20-meter draft rule, it should be that, I think, if you pass somebody, you stay to the side of them. Okay. Not You don't pull straight in front of them. You stay in t- to the side of them until you're, let's say, 10 meters ahead. Yep. And then the person behind... Has to move back. Has to move back. Okay. So you can drop in and then drop back. Okay. So you don't have to go past seven people. Yeah. That's 180 meters yeah. or whatever, you know, and it, it, yeah. Uh, so there should be some way that you can drop into the line and, and the line sorts itself out. And the line sorts itself yeah. out. So it's it's it, it's 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 not just on the person having to pass everybody. It's not just on them, but everybody who's in the pack or in the line, I should say. Because uh, if you're 180 meters to get to the front, it's well, a massive effort. Yeah, you know, and, and sitting, in sport, you're sitting at the red line already. Yeah. You know, if we're talking watts, yeah. for example, in the men, you know, uh, Lionel sitting at 350 watts, you know, you're going to have to go 450, 500 for a minute or two. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, so anyway, it, it, it does, it, I think it messes up the dynamic of the, of the race to have the, the, the rules such that they are now, even with, with a 20 meter draft rule, which I think is probably the ideal, you know, you still have to adapt, uh, adapt the rules a little bit. What are your thoughts on Sanders? Oh, I like the guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's he's um, good for the sport and um, amazing story. Yeah, you know, uh, being in his mother's basement, you know, uh, doing what he was doing. Uh, 
you know, and, and coming out of that life and, and finding triathlon, you know, and his whole story is just amazing. Yeah. And to get to this level because there's a yeah. lot of good stories. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of good guys who have been age groups and got to pros. Yeah. But to be at this level where you really are a top competitor yeah. and winning tough races, yeah. you don't see that a lot. Yeah, and I think it's a good story because there's so many people, you know, I, I listen to, um, for instance, the Rich Roll yeah. podcast a yeah. lot. And uh, he's good at, at bringing these stories to light where, you know, he always asks the person at the end who's, let's say, you, he, would, he would ask Lyle Sanders, you know, what's the takeaway? How, what can you tell the person who's living in their mother's basement, you know, using uh, drugs and is thinking there's just no hope there's no way out i can't change there's you know what do you say to that person and you know and 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 the lionel story is like yes you know you can thrive you mm. can do it mm. it can be done yeah. i'm i'm living proof yeah you know that you can change your life yeah pretty awesome stuff uh paul williams got if scott was to start his career again as an 18 or 17 18 year old in the u.s what path would he take would he go itu college or straight into non-drafting 70.3s um, I probably would have went straight into ITU if that was available. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, college, um, college, if, if there was racing in college, would I have stuck it out in college instead of went to racing as a pro? Um, I'm not, is triathlon big in college? It's starting to be in the United States. Okay. Yeah. Which will help the American game. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It already has. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. And, and so, uh, there, and there is scholarships now. Did you get it? Do you go, you get a scholarship for college? No, you? no. I was, I was an okay runner kid, but yeah. not, not good enough to get a scholarship. Okay. Yeah. And, um, so, uh, so I, w- I would have went, uh, the IT route for sure. That, that would have been, uh, appealing for me because I was a good swimmer and a good runner. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Hugh Chin's got, if you were competing right now, who do you think would be your biggest competition and why? Well. When you're at your peak, you know. Yeah, well. Um, and, 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 and what and what distance? I suppose you have to look at here, don't you? Yeah. Um, good question. I, I guess, you know, I, I, I like the way uh, Alistair Brownlee's and Gomez have both, uh, you know, uh, raced over the years, various distances, uh, in any course. Uh, yeah, they just, in, yeah. yeah any conditions uh so i'd I'd probably you know i I would like to think uh you know uh those guys would be who i would have looked up to and uh thought okay i I, if i can beat these guys you know that will that will make me as an athlete when was your apex is it like when you look on your career what period of time was that that moment when you were just you look back and go that was definitely the best period for me um well 85 to 90 yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. Well, I mean, I won a lot of races in '83 and '84 too, but uh, I was still developing as an athlete, and so it wasn't really until I was 25, 85, yeah, that I started to, you know, uh, get to a level where I thought, okay, this is this is a pretty good level. I might be able to find a few more, you know, percentage points in somewhere here and there, but I thought I was getting to close to my development. What's it like when you <clears throat> turn up to a race, you're just, you're shit hot and you know it. What's it like? Uh, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it does take a long time to get to that point, of course. Um, yeah. you know, and it's a fleeting moment. It, it is a fleeting moment. And, uh, but, but to have that level of confidence that, and, and belief in yourself that yeah. you, you've done the work to, to be, to, to be, uh, 
get the number one bib and it's justified and deserved. Uh, it takes, it does take a while to get to that, but that's a, it's a, it's a wonderful feeling. You know, it's a, it's a very rewarding feeling. What about, what was your enjoyment of the game? You know, like the mental game within a race. What, you know, how was your approach? Was it to, how did you try to break other people? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I like, I like the tactics of racing. Yeah. Um, I was, I was, I had a pretty good top end and so I could attack, yeah. you know, I could, I could surge, um, both on the bike and the run. And so I liked, I liked thinking about the course and the competitors and when I could make a move to, to win a race, when would be the significant time to really push it. So I, yeah, I loved all that, all that part of racing. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, Rob Dallimore has got the best piece of equipment he's had throughout his career, especially the cool retro stuff. Well, when aero bars came along. Yeah, uh, that was cool. Yeah, you know, because uh, they were, we we made fun of uh, the first few guys who who brought who, who brought them out, and uh, but then when because uh, of the big linky things, weren't oh, they? Oh, they were terrible, <laughs> Scott DH bars, and so. But then when Brad Kearns came along at the Desert Princess Duathlon, I remember that distinctly, and he blitzed everybody, and it was like, okay, we're gonna get these. <laughs> we everybody was on the phone that day. How can I get? How can I get a hold of this? Uh, same thing with disc wheels. Uh, Steve Head came out with uh, the very first disc wheel, and that was about I think about eighty four. And uh, he was a genius, wasn't he? He was. He was definitely the leader in aerodynamics of cycling in the United States for a long, long time. Mm. You know, first guy to come up with disc. First guy to come up with uh, aero tubing as shapes. Uh, first guy to take people to the wind tunnel. Um, yeah, first guy to come up with uh, carbon wheels, uh, deep carbon wheels, uh, three-spoke carbon wheels, you name it. You know. So his, and his influence is still in the sport today, oh, isn't yeah, it? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, his legacy is, you know. Because he passed away about five years ago, didn't he? Uh, yeah, good question. Um, I saw Annie in, in, in Kona uh, two years ago. So, yeah, I think it was about five. Yes. Yeah, but anyway, so the disc wheel was, um, was another game changer because... Uh, it was it, he also made them very light uh so let's see dh bars for sure disc wheel um skin suits one piece skin suits oh, yeah. remember when they came along um uh aero helmets i remember the first uh helmets that we used were actually hair nets oh really yeah they were all, all it did was keep your hair in place if you'd have crashed with <laughs> if, you'd have, if you'd have crashed with those things it, it wouldn't it would, oh, they were silly um so well, even uh, wetsuits because i remember the photo of you winning i mean new zealand coming out of the water you look like a snorkeler yeah, coming out of the water yeah and those wetsuits were terrible that was before uh yamamoto rubber yeah. came along that was the old uh wetsuit material that surfers used okay which are not made for swimming <laughs> I saw the scars on my neck from, oh, really? from those, yeah, from those wetsuits. <laughs> yeah, terrible. Uh, let's see. Uh, and and clipping pedals. That's right. Yeah. When, uh, we had uh, toe straps for the first, uh, I don't know, five years, something like that. And so then when clipping pedals, look, pedals came along, uh, that was a really cool, ingenious uh, solution yeah. uh, for, for cycling. Picks. So those, those would be my top picks. Uh, Seth uh, Butting's got here. Uh, what are your top three rides anywhere for, in the world? Well, good question, Seth. Um, I've arranged my life so that I can ride in the places that I, I, I love the most. Um, in Colorado, uh, I'd say any loop that involved a peak-to-peak highway 
Uh, so I lived in Boulder for many years and, and uh, still go back there regularly. How, my, how long's the ride? My son lives there. Uh, any, anywhere from 80K to 160K. Okay, sir. Yeah, you can, here's, you can make a lot of variations off the Peak to Peak Highway. And uh, that's just, I just love it there so much, you know. Um, and uh, I do love riding in Europe. Uh, the Cellar Ring is one uh, that, that people who ride in Italy will know, just outside of Cortina. Um, I could, if that would, if, if, if I lived in Italy, I would, I would definitely, uh, move to that area just so I could ride in that area all the time. And I do love it here in Christchurch, uh, for short rides, you know, anything that involves a summit road, yeah. you know, it's a cool ride. That's what, 10 K from where we are yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, let's see where else. Um, uh, let's see. Um, any of the classics like any of the, the, the on the tour or any of those roads uh, I do love the Alps but no I, they, they wouldn't be they wouldn't be actually some of the some of the Pyrenees areas uh, like where um, Ian Wright and Julie Wright have their place yeah. I've spent a lot of time riding in there uh, outside of Luscan uh, and that some of those just one of the loops from their house actually uh it's about a 80k loop it's just magic so yeah there are lots of nice riding there too um i know seth uh, lives up in canada we did an epic camp up there and um there are some really nice rides up there beautiful rides in the canadian rockies and um let's see in california i, I spent a lot of time of my life in california but it's just too crowded there now too much traffic yeah. Um, although there's some areas uh, outside of Santa Barbara that are nice. Um, mm, don't know. Don't know. I don't. I'm pretty easy to please. If I can, if I'm out in the sun and it's warm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, You're happy, man. Yeah, I'm happy. Definitely, Scott. Here, uh, training hours to beer consumption ratio. Got a lot of likes on that one. And uh, you are well renowned as being someone who likes a beer. Uh, and it tends to be that you go, oh, I want to be somewhere in the sun riding with a pub at the end. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say the ratio, uh, Dylan might be, um, might hurt his ears to hear me say this, but I, I, I've moved to some non-alcoholic beers now. Oh, yeah. And why? Because so, uh, I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay. Okay, yeah, go. yeah. Uh, but I'd say, you know, uh, two hours to one beer is a good ratio. Is a pretty good ratio. Okay, so if you want to get really drunk, you could have a big training day. Yeah, if you're out there for eight hours, four beers just yeah, that's that's enough. Seriously, why why pull back? Just just so you're drinking too much? Oh yeah, because I'm an alcoholic. I mean, I shouldn't be drinking at all. I'm I'm I'm. Um, oh, do you classify yourself as Oh, an yeah. No, there's, I definitely am. And so how do you manage it? Uh, not very well. <laughs> my wife, my wife, you know, a lot of people would think, oh, Melina, you're a functioning alcoholic. Um, but my wife would, would tell you differently. You know, she says, oh, a lot of times you're not functioning very well at all. And so... What's uh, the draw? Because my, my dad was an alcoholic and right. a really bad, violent alcoholic. So, oh, right. so he gave up when I was like five, but he had right. to because it was just like... Right. And I remember speaking to my dad... And, and, I, and I was a bad drunk. Right. So my story was... Were you an angry drunk or just a... No, but shagger. Oh, shagger, right. Right. Um, steal stuff, just stupid drunk. Right. You know, and just, just hurt people. But not, right. it wasn't violent like my dad was. Right. Um, and I was a bad druggie. Right. But 
I was, I'm not an alcoholic. So once right. I, I gave up because I was just like, this is shit for your life. Right. You know, you've got to move on. Um, and I had a couple of bad experiences, which made me realize I had to. And so I gave up and, and giving up actually wasn't that hard. A, I did something really well as I basically removed myself from the world and joined the gym world. And right. it made it really easy because the people I was suddenly surrounded myself with just weren't those types of people. Um, and I remember talking to my dad and, and my dad and I said, you know, because I never think about drinking. Right. Like, Never. If I would do anything, I'd like to do mushrooms again. Right. Uh, like the higher drugs. Yeah. And when I was in Amsterdam a couple of years ago, I did mushrooms because right. I was like, when I'm room. Yeah. Um, I did like the higher drugs. So if I were to do stuff again, it would be that. But I, I don't because I'm I'm, the, I'm a 100% guy. Right. If I'm going to do it, I'm on the street selling myself right. three weeks later. Right. So, right. Um, but talking to my dad and I said, do you ever think about drinking? He goes, oh, every day. Right. And he gave up, you know, 36 years ago. Right. And that's the difference to me is that I was a bad drunk who just couldn't have alcohol in my life. Right. Alcoholism is something that will always be in you. Yeah. You know, and even to my dad now, he's learned how to manage it. Right. But in his mind every day, that's something he has to work on. Right. You know, and it, it is, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to, to manage, isn't it? Yeah. And I've, I've had periods of sobriety where I, yeah. where I did uh, not drink for a long time and, and, uh, and I need to get there again. Yeah. Uh, at the moment I'm, 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 hardly drinking at all but but i do think about it all the time yes yeah, so all the you know it's just and and not only that i i i'm over 60 now and and the people that i hang around with my friends they all drink uh, i course. don't know uh, a social I, I, have, I have one friend uh jeremy who doesn't drink yeah uh, but not that's it in in all my social circle uh everybody's drinks okay, and yeah. so yeah um do you feel the social pressure um yeah i do yeah but that's but that's not it it's 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 just a it's just an uh, alcoholism is, is you know you're you you feel the compulsion to drink yeah and so uh so yeah i'm i'm, I'm but i but i it's it has had so many negative effects in my life that i i know i need to get there yeah you know eventually and uh, and when in the past you were successful with it what made you successful um and being sober Bad experiences. Oh, really? So, yeah. you, so you basically got to a point where it's like, and then there's to me with drugs. I remember I had a night of drinking actually, and I was just, like, I was a pig, you know, I'd just be hitting on every girl. Right. And, and I remember one of my mates said to me, there's kind of three moments. One was my mate who was a druggie, he turned and he said, You realize we're druggies? And I was stoned 24 <laughs> 7, but I never thought I was a druggie. Right. You know, like I was stoned 24 <laughs> 7. And I just, in my mind, and as soon as he said that, it was almost like I could see everybody seeing me as a druggie yeah you know i remember one night we were at time out playing games yeah and i was stoned off my face and all these people i knew saw me and at the time i didn't realize it but as soon as he said that i saw it from their eyes yeah and that was a real big moment and then another night i've been on it and i was just trying to hit on every and one of my mates and me and my mates were pretty low standard <laughs> you know we weren't high class and one of my mates said you're a real embarrassment to be around oh yeah and and, and he wasn't high class you right. know like we were the lowest of the low yeah and that was like, oh fuck. You yeah. Know? Well, I've, I've, that's I've had the, the, uh, that from my wife too. Oh, okay. She said you were embarrassing. Yeah. And man, that hits hard. Yeah. That, yeah. And that was a real trigger for me. It was yeah. like, yeah. And then. And that has been a trigger for me too. Yeah. But that, and my experience, and Millie, I don't think I'm an okie, but um, the easy thing for me, I was I, I was able to remove stuff from my world. Right. Whereas in you, as you say. Your drinking's what your friends do, right? So, so you're always confronted with it, aren't you? Yeah, you are, but uh, but I, I don't I don't hold them responsible. Yeah, of course. You know, I'm I'm responsible. Yeah, for my for what goes in my mouth. Yeah. Uh, so um, I'm 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 getting I'm getting better, and uh, I tell you what, 
if you want to uh, watch a good movie, Anthony Hopkins stars. In oh, the father. The father. Oh, yeah, I've my. heard it's, it's brilliant. It's about Alzheimer's. Yeah. But uh, if there's one thing that makes you want to take care of your brain and your health in general, yeah. when you know the brain is, you know, yeah. an organ in your body, you know that watch that movie and you, you know. apparently it's amazing. Oh, far out, man! It hits hard. Really? Yeah. Wow. And so, is your aging that's one of the reasons yes. to worry about you? Is it? That's right. Okay. I need I need to look after my health better. Oh, okay. Well, good luck with it because I know it's a, I know it's a it's a struggle. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, there's some really good discussions here. Let's get into coaches. Do it with me. Okay. Well, three, oh. two, one. Coaches corner. corner. Here we go. I had to get you to do it. Okay. Uh, so, so what you've come to me with? Actually, let's do sponsor. Actually, I'm going to do sponsor. Okay. Do a sponsor. Do a sponsor. Beam. So recently we had one of the founders of Beam on the show, and Beam creates high quality functional supplements for better balance performance, sleep, and recovery. Uh, the product for sleep, so if we look at the sleep product, they have a Dream, which is Dream is a healthy take on hot chocolate that takes warm, chocolatey cinnamon blend. I do like my cinnamon, I tell you. Uh, Dream is made with compounds such as melatonin, magnesium, release, I'm not sure what it is, and I-theatane, you know what I'm, not, I'm reading, yep, here, Scott, yep. uh, which helps your body and mind wind down for a better night's sleep. It's also made with beans, nano CBD, which gives your body an increased ability to absorb CBD. Like all beans other CBD products, it is THC free. Uh, what do you like as a sleeper? Right, I'm pretty good, um, but uh, I do take melatonin yeah. at night. Um, and I'm pretty good around sleep routines and uh, sleep hygiene. Yeah. You know, no electronics, uh, no light. Have yeah. block, block out shades to block out the light. Uh, even the street lights or you yeah. know, star lights or moonlight or all that. Um, and uh, sleep in a cool room. Yeah. Um, do all so the, important, isn't do it? Do all those things uh, that, that, that help help me sleep well yeah yeah and and i i work out a lot so i'm, I'm pretty tired, tired yeah i'm pretty tired <laughs> at night too so yeah i'm, I'm and i wear earplugs uh as well uh often do you uh, get wax built up i don't know you used to wear earplugs and he, he was like shriek you know like i do yeah i do yeah. but I'm, I'm pretty good about uh cleaning out my ears after uh especially after swimming yeah because if i if i don't get all the water out i'm prone to getting ear infections okay so i do uh clean my ears out quite a bit and so it gets gets rid of the wax as well so if you are someone who struggles with sleep it, it's fundamental and it's interesting to talk about how habits or hygiene i've recently not i leave my phone upstairs now when yeah. i go to bed and i, I was what I, I kind of removed it from my bedside cabinet but put it in my we've got a wardrobe behind our bedroom right and i left it in there and uh i'd find myself suddenly going to the toilet overnight which i never do yeah you know and so i've left it upstairs and, and hygiene is a really important part of it but sometimes you just need something else and yeah. for a lot of people out there if you want to be a good athlete how important is sleep? Yeah. You know, it's fundamental, isn't it? Yeah, and if you look is. at the research, yeah. they're kind of saying that's one of the, the key factors we've got to get athletes to be better at, isn't it? Yeah. You know, so, where you go? Yeah, and, and also from, uh, you know, m- m- thinking about Alzheimer's, you know, oh. and uh, brain health, you know, that's when your brain recovers uh, is during sleep. Yeah. It's one of the main things for recovery yeah. for, 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 for your whole body, including your brain. And so, yeah, I think sleep's vital. So good, if you are, sleep. yeah. So if you are struggling with sleep and, and, and you are trying those other strategies and it's still not happening, you go to beamtlc.com and you can get out their product, which is called dream, which is their sleep product. And again, it's got all those benefits and all those little bits that they put together to make that work for you. It's in a nice hot chocolate that tastes warm, which is good. Uh, and if you're in North America, you can use the discount code. I am, 
talk for a discount when you go to check out. So check out beamtlc.com and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Okay, let's do that again. Three, two, one, Coach's, Coach's Corner. Corner. You know what it, mate. Okay, okay, so what do you want to talk about, mate? Well, I, th- I thought I'd do um, an area that I, I, I know a bit more about than uh, many other coaches, yeah. which is the age 50 plus athlete. And this uh, uh, advice really especially applies to 60 plus athletes who no one seems to give a toss about. It's uh, interesting, isn't it? Well, you know, you don't, you don't it's think... It's not a big market, I suppose. No, it's not a very big market. It's growing, yep. that's for sure. Yep. It's growing a lot. Um, and uh, it will continue to grow. Um, but you don't think of it uh, as a 60-plus or 70-plus person as having any competitive desires or wanting to be athletic. Okay. But there are there are some of us around, yeah, uh, yeah and, and I work, I've worked with quite a few of them over the years. Okay. Um, so, so here's some tips... Uh, so you're going to break it down to swim, run, bike, swim, and then strength work. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. So let's look at the run. Okay, the run, you know, that's the area that's most likely to deteriorate uh, for most people, especially if you've been a runner your whole life, you're going to start to get chronic problems. And uh, the thing that goes is your spring and your yeah. step, your bounce, right? And um, the new shoes are a good example of what increasing your bounce you know, uh, what your calves and your Achilles and your feet normally do. Mm. Uh, they're a good example of, of getting more speed from that. And so that's, that's what you lose. And so that's what you have to work hardest at trying to keep or improve. If you, if you've never had it, like a lot of people have been plotters, um, you know, don't come from a, uh, a competitive running background, yeah. you know, and they started out jogging, and so they never really developed it in the first place. Yeah. Any corner, any kind of spring, and, and they haven't done any like plyometric work. Or, yeah, 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 right. And so, so my um, my advice is some things you can do. Uh, strides are a good example. That's just fast, relaxed running, like uh, the pace that you would run a five k at a race, yeah. or or a little bit faster. Time even. frame, um, twenty seconds. Okay, I would call a stride. Uh, so I often. Um, give a lot of the athletes I work with, uh, most of their runs are easy runs of various lengths and then four strides at the end. Nice. Four times 20 seconds, either jog 40 seconds in between or, or walk 40 seconds in between. So it's just four, takes four minutes to do four strides. Yep. And, uh, you know, if you do that often, almost every day or almost every run, you know, that I think that's the best place to start. Mm. Um, in addition to that, you know, I think you should have little periods where you do sh- short, bouncy hill reps. Um, same thing, quick. Uh, it's really important in hill reps, though, because people's cadence can often be really slow, so they're not actually getting the spring that you're yeah, desiring. Yeah, I'm not talking about just running up a hill for 10 or 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, that you don't, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking yeah. about something that is, is athletic and fast and bouncy. Yeah. Quick steps, um, you know, firing firing off your feet, pop, 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 pop. Yeah. High know, cadence. High cadence, yeah. Yeah. Um, just, just with that, because you know, a lot of people will take this advice on, how should we introduce it? Because if you're not doing any of it... Yeah, like, I'd start with something short, like four, four times 20 seconds. Okay, okay. And, uh, and then um, maybe once a week. Yep. And then maybe go up to six the next week, go yep. up maybe eight the next week, maybe build up to about 12 okay. over a period of two or three months. Yeah, nice. Um, something like that. Yeah. Because yeah, what we don't want to do is just get people get injured because they get... That's right. You know, they... One of the biggest problems we see is people just jump too quickly, don't they? Right. Or progress too quickly. And 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 that's one of the things um, I think is is important. Is, and I'll I'll get to that. Okay, is that like um, 
gym work as well. Like people yeah. who live in winter climates um, don't get to run outside a lot. Yeah. And so on a treadmill, maybe you can, you can um, do some running, of course. Um, but I think you should also include a little bit of uh, specific range of full range of motion loading of your calves yep. and your Achilles tendons. Um, like, um, for instance, I often do uh, some stuff in the leg press where I'll do a set of leg press and then I'll drop my feet down so my heels are hanging off the end and I'll do some toe presses nice. with my knees slightly bent. Yep. And just torture my calves and uh, maybe do a set of 15 to 20 reps. And then after the last one, do a complete stretch so pull my toes towards my knees yep and just let the weight just of straight stretch yeah. right so so um i think uh that's i call, call them stretched isometric um jumping plyometrics hopping um just hopping up and down jump rope skip rope anything like that i think is is very worthwhile okay uh flexibility work for your calves no or, limit you've got here no limit i think there's you'd be hard pressed you same thing you can build it up over time but you know do it over throughout the day whenever it's convenient you know whether you're talking on the phone or you're um, reading or watching tv or reading the newspaper or whatever mm. you know it's not hard to stretch your calves yeah yeah and i've also gone to the habit i've got one of those stirrer guns and so we've been using that just when you're watching tv at night right you know just to yeah. <clears throat> just get the cuffs out eh? yeah. You know? yeah 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 i mean most people, that's going to be their their area of injury. Yeah, it's going to be Achilles and calves, and so uh, you know you got to work on it all the time. Mm -hmm. And in your run training, other than strides, I think it's 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 probably a good idea to limit your fast running periods of about three to six weeks at a time. Okay, and then um, go back to easy running, but work on your calves and your Achilles and your 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 snap all the time just okay. about year round but but um but i think hard running um so you're going to use it in a moment peak into a race yeah three it, to, three to six weeks of of really hard fast running training in your in your training for, and and then leading to a race now that doesn't mean you shouldn't race at times during your easy periods but i think you should you should probably limit your um hard running periods to only about this is for older athletes yeah, yeah. Uh, to about three to six weeks once or twice a year three and, to six week three to I, six week period and if we're thinking let's say i'm doing a 70.3 how far out from the race should i put that block maybe maybe i started about seven weeks eight weeks out so okay. that you have a little taper yep uh prior to the race okay cool yeah okay um and and you know i think most older athletes should get their really hard work their VO2 max stuff, yeah. their their lactate threshold stuff, you know, FTP work, whatever you call it, done on the bike. Okay. Most of your hard training, especially sustained hard training. Let's say you want to do two times 20 minutes, stuff like that. Yeah. That should be done on the bike. So stay away from that in the run. Well, for the most part. Yes. Yeah, having those yeah. short little blocks. Yeah. Okay. So then on the bike, what are some of the focuses for on the bike? Well, for the older people, more is better. You know, time and energy are, are maybe the, the main limiters. Yep. Uh, and I put a little note here, not the weather, sorry to say, <laughs> uh, you know, we all need easy riding. And I think about 80% of your volume should be easy. Okay. And that's about 80% of the year. So there should be some periods where you do have, uh, some intense periods prior to racing, but, but the, um, you know, easy volume is, is the key to, to half Ironman and Ironman racing is to get out and ride your bike a lot. Yeah. And the more you ride it, 
you know, the better you're going to be. And um, you can make all the excuses in the world for not having time, not having energy, having work and, and uh, having a family and having whatever. But if you can ride more, if you can fit it into your life, even easy riding, it's, it, it will make you a better triathlete. Well, and, and arguably, especially as the kind of 60 plus, you do become more time rich. Yeah. You know, because your kids are kind of gone. You might yeah. be with grandparents, but um, you may be at the later part of your career or ending your career. So, you know, time yeah. does become a bit more friendly. Yeah, and, 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 and I've coached a lot of people who, who are very, very busy in their 60s yep. or 70s. And, um, and, you know, we talk about this. It's like, okay, well, you know, you could do better if you ride your bike more. Yep. You know, it's, so it's, it's, a, it's a decision uh, to ride more or less. And it's up to you to, to, to make that decision. And, but but don't, don't think you're going to get the same result riding three hours a week as you would get if you were riding 10 or 12 hours a week. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And so, uh, so let's just be realistic about that. Yeah, nice. Um, I think with, with older athletes especially, this is um, one point I'm making here, is that you shouldn't take a lot of time off the bike during the year, okay. even if it's easy riding, even if it's only 40 minutes twice a week, don't, don't have long periods where you don't touch the bike. Mm-hmm. I think uh, three to four weeks a year is probably about the outside okay. that um, you should do where you would do no riding at all. Yeah. Um, now, when you say three or four weeks, is it small chunks or is it at one time? I, I think at one time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and why is that? Just because they were going to keep their consistency up. Yeah. And, yeah, and the loss of going away is too high. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the main thing you get from long aerobic riding is capillary density, mm-hmm. right? The, you build the capillary network that allows more blood flow to the muscles. And with long periods off, that system uh, diminishes yep. and it's not a natural state for us to be in, to have a really high capillary density. And so if you take long times off, long time off it, it diminishes and it takes a long time to get it back whereas if you just tick over even a little bit you're going to keep that capillary density to a degree mm-hmm. yeah nice um threshold thresholds work ftp work is ftp is the new term for uh lactate threshold or yep. you know uh um i i think same thing with hard running you want to keep those periods to no more than about five to six weeks at a time, once or twice a year. Um, so just with that. Same thing. When you're building up for an A race. But with, so it's okay to put both together during Yeah, I think you should. Okay. I think, I think your hard period should be hard. Yep. And then you have a good, good long. Foundations. Foundation and recovery period. Okay. Where you. you so like that seven weeks leading into your 70.3, you're going to be riding hard and running hard. Yeah. And then obviously body management is going to be pretty important at that that's time. That's right. Yeah. 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 So that's, those, those are your periods of focus where you adjust your life so that you can do all those things. Uh, but, but like you using your Theragun watching TV, yeah. you know, uh, you know, anybody can do that. Yeah. You know, so yeah, there are some things you can do, but you just have to prioritize them, yeah. don't you? Yep. To make sure you, you, you know, you can handle the harder training if you, if you have ambitious goals to race fast. Yeah. Right. Yep. Uh, oh, you just got one thing, no more than 40 minutes in one session with your FTP work. Yeah, I think that's a good, a good guide. You know, you, uh, Ironman athletes have a tendency to overdo everything. And I think uh, a session like uh, four times eight minutes at FTP or two times 20 minutes is about the max. Yep. You should go. Um, you know, I often use four times six minutes. So yep. that's a total of 24 minutes yeah. uh, at FTP. Um, that's, a, that's a great session. Yeah. And, and, it's, and uh, it's, it's, it's also... 
the type of training where there's there's diminishing returns uh, if you if you do too much, and of course your recovery is going to be impeded if you if you trash yourself, yeah. you know. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about um, uh, hormonal control and things like that about uh, that are very important for older people a little bit later. Okay, so we're going to swimming. Swimming technique is everything, and um, just because you were if you were a swimmer kid doesn't mean you're going to be a great technician 30 years later. I'm a good example of that. You know, uh, I have to work. I swim a lot. I swim yeah. five days a week. In the and you're moment. a good swimmer. And I'm a, I'm a good swimmer. And, but my technique, I, you know, Brett filmed me at the pool the other day and I didn't, I wasn't doing exactly what I thought oh, okay. I was doing and, uh, put a little point, uh, uh, point, point B here, yep. you know, get videoed yeah it's a piece of feedback hey it just doesn't lie does it it just doesn't lie it tells you what you're doing because most people they're not doing what they think they're doing yeah you know and it's like okay i'll just film you and you 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 take a look and then you know brett will say what do you see here he won't tell you anything he'll just say film you and go okay what are you seeing here about your stroke what do you think um about it you know and uh, and then people can make up their own minds. Okay, yeah, this is what it looks. Like. And and then after 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 that, he'll say, well, you know, here's where you could probably make one change. Nice. So gives you a singular focus. Usually, usually. Okay. At a time. Yep. Um, so yeah, video is worth it. Um, flexibility in, in your entire body. Uh, you know, it's not just your shoulders. Uh, type hip flexors are a good example. When you see uh, triathletes. Or runners swim, you know their their body position is terrible because a lot of times because their hip flexors are so tight, it bring, bums up. That's right. It brings yeah. your knees down, brings your legs down. Uh, ankles. Uh, we uh, we do a drill sometimes called uh, swim with runners feet. Oh really? Right. And so that's where you run yeah. and you try to pull your toes towards your knees. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Try it sometime. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not swimming nowadays, but well, I kind of imagine it'd be fun. No, you do that. Do that drill. Yeah. And it will show you how much your feet, how much drag. It changes everything. Yeah. Right. But a lot of people aren't aware that they're halfway there already to that okay. drill. To that drill. John Hellman's. Uh, oh my God, he's swimming next to me yesterday. <laughs> And his, his, his ankles are just so tight. Really? Yeah. His feet are, his toes are nearly pointing to the bottom of the pool. Jeez. And uh, so anyway, the flexibility of your hip flexors, your ankles, you know. It's a good not, stretch for that one is actually just sit on top of your feet, isn't it? That's so right. Like, so shins, 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 shins on out. the ground. Yeah, yeah shins on the shins ground. Shins on the ground, maybe lean back a little bit. Yep. Yeah. So I, I often um, do that in the morning when I wake up. Okay. Open my computer. Sit on my shins. Oh, nice. Yeah, stretch my ankles. Uh, that's usually what I do first thing every morning, uh, my first stretch of the day. Yeah. So anyway, um, let's see. Video. Yeah. Yep. See what you need to be doing. Uh, swim need, with better swimmers. Swim with better swimmers. That's another point. It's 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 a not just to give you a push, but so that you constantly get that visual reinforcement to see what they're doing. Yeah. Right. To watch a really good swimmer swim, it's just, you know, it's like, how do they get across the pool in 13, 14 strokes? They, they, like, that's the difference with swimming with most other movements. Like all movements, you want to have efficiency of movement. Yeah. But a great swimmer just looks effortless. Yeah. And they're moving. Yeah. You know, like it's a beautiful thing, isn't it, a great swimmer? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think swim with better swimmers, you get that visual. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. And, and it shows you what's possible, mm, okay. you know? You know, they're not superhumans. They yeah. just they just learned how to swim better. Well, I think also, and I, I, you haven't got this yet, but, well, no, you have. 
Don't worry, keep going. Okay. Um, next point. Don't rely on fins, paddles, and pull buoys too much. Um, certainly not on your test sets or your main sets. It is very easy, uh, especially fins. Uh, it's a lazy thing, isn't it? It's a, it, 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 well, they, they can be a good tool if you kick hard with fins. Uh, it can be good uh, to develop your kick and your ankle flexibility. But just to use them uh, to go faster or to keep up, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it is a crutch. Yeah. Same with pull buoys. Same for, for people who have terrible body position. Yeah. Um, you know, pull boys do lift you up, and as does wetsuit or those core shorts. And so I, I would say, you know, don't don't let them be a crutch. Okay. Use them as a tool as they're intended for yeah. at times during your swimming. But actually, work on the problem. But work on work on the, the normal swimming without any equipment. Yeah. That's that's still got to be. How do you swim without any of that stuff? That's yeah. still got to be the the main um, criterion for deciding: Am I improving, or am I getting worse, or where am I with my swimming? Okay. Um, next point: Swim cords and Vasa trainers are excellent tools, and they, they are. Uh, they teach you the early catch, and they, they help you get stronger, um, and uh, also great to, for time efficiency if you got them at home, um, and you don't want to get to the pool or, or don't or can't get to the pool um great you can do a very great swim workout in 15 20 minutes if you have either of those swim cords or vasa trainers um next next point upper body work in the gym can help but it doesn't trump technique improvement so strength training is good and you can increase your range of motion and strengthen your body uh, in the gym and I, I do think it's it's a good idea uh, especially for some people who are weak, you know, you, swimming is, is still about force production. You still have to produce force against uh, pushing the water back. Uh, and um, even though a great swimmer looks effortless, probably because they've re reduced their resistance so much, you know, they streamline so much, but they're still producing a significant force in the right direction. And so gym work can help with that but like i said the, the technique improvement is still the most important well aspect. and i think one thing that's probably a good question to answer here is how much time within a week's of training let's say you're doing three swims a week should you spend on technique well when you every 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 time you're swimming even when you're doing a hard set you're thinking about your technique okay. right but i would say for most people swimmers let's say you're swimming three days a week for an hour yeah. um at least 10 minutes of each of those hours should be spent sp specifically on easy technique work. But I like to do drills where um, we do a little bit easy and then a little bit of the same drill, kind of peppy okay. with a bit of force. Yep. Um, and then easy and then try and bring a bit more force and energy into it. Okay. And so so not all drills should be easy, I okay. don't think. So you are still just, learning that movement be, pattern yeah, with intensity. Yeah, yeah. same yeah. thing like with running technique. I mean... The goal is to is to run with good technique at a faster pace, yeah. and so yeah, it's it's nice to um, to do to do drills, but then I think it's important to bring a little bit more snap and a little bit more force into them mm. as you progress. Yeah, yeah. Uh, strength work, and, and this is, you've always been a big advocate of strength. You've always been a bit of a gym bunny. Yeah, uh, and you love your gym work, don't you? Yeah, I do. It's it's one of my favorite forms of exercise now. But um, I I also came from a time uh, and sport in the 70s and 80s where where gym work was a regular part of everybody's um routine training yeah, yeah. especially yeah. swimming and um um i 
I think if when when you get in your fifties and sixties, you know, uh, strength work does some other things that people are probably not don't think is that important, and that's the uh, the stress you put on your your tendons to allow you to stay away from tendonitis. Yeah, um, not just the muscles uh, need work; the tendons also need. Um, some resistance applied to them so they they stay uh, thick and supple um, and we also lose strength as we get older we also lose muscle mass yeah. you know when you get in your 60s you definitely start to shrink you know and so my one of my goals now is just not to to shrivel up i guess it's uh, just to maintain yeah just to maintain yep. you know so how, how often are you doing weights uh, I, I I lift a lot, but I have a really nice gym in my house. Yeah, and so uh, you know I'm in there five times a week. Okay, uh, uh, some well actually sometimes more. Where I, I go over to John Ellis's house, where I uh, uh, put some uh, uh, I gave him some of my old equipment, leg press, leg extension, hamstring curl machine, yeah. and dumbbells and stuff. And so I often go over there and just do legs. Yeah, and uh, so so yeah, sometimes I can be in the gym six times a week. Nice, but I but I I like it. Yeah. And, and a lot of triathletes don't, unfortunately. A lot of tri- yeah. yeah. And, and, but having a nice gym in my house also makes it super convenient. Excuse, yeah. Right. But I think, um, and, uh, there's a whole bunch of, uh, people probably who have home gyms now. Yeah. Like I remember when, uh, we, I was in Noosa when COVID hit in, uh, very beginning of March and all of the gym equipment stores sold out. Yeah. S- got smashed yeah you couldn't even order stuff i remember there was a time uh in about april where i thought oh okay i'm I'm in australia but winter's coming i better get an indoor trainer and you couldn't even there were like waiting lists for like three four months i was actually speaking to ceo of liz mills a guy called clive a lovely guy actually um and i've got an equipment business and he just said it's been boomtown you know right you know so i I think there are a lot of people now who have some home gym equipment who probably didn't before yeah right because they couldn't go anywhere so they got it and so they they realize the convenience is is a nice thing um even as the world starts to open up a little bit now so um uh where was i uh so um uh, I think it should keep varying it, keep, uh, keep changing things, uh, change your sets, change your reps, change your exercises, change everything. Uh, but then change back, you know, uh, so you're switching everything every couple of weeks. Yeah. 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 Change something almost every session. Yeah. You know, uh, just different exercises, different order, different reps, uh, reps. Yep. Yeah. Different speeds, uh, different, uh, rests between sets. Uh, yeah. I just think it's good to there is one problem if you're a gym bunny or if you go to the gym i always think have a watch because one of the downfalls at gym is people piss around yeah you know and you just see people like they'll, they'll talk for six minutes between a set yeah you know and that ain't the plan <laughs> you know what i mean and like yeah. i get it gym's a cool social place to go yes and it's a big part of being going to a gym is the social aspect of it yeah but it's if you're there to train you do want to get the results yes and uh, you just got to be careful of those little distractions that take you off the purpose of your time yeah and it's not that you can't be social but it's just you know if you have a look like, I'm, I'm i'm not rude at gym because it's my job so everyone yeah. knows me and everyone's always going to come and talk to me so i tend to put earphones in so people know that i'm kind of yeah. not, not available yeah um but then i'll just hey i've just got to jump into the next set you know because you can just create really bad habits yeah that pull you away from the purpose of your time yeah, yeah. no i think i i see that a lot and you know when you see people with their phones in the gym and i was like really yeah do you really need to be on that right yeah. now anyway um so I, I do like the gym I, I don't like the term functional strength um why well because because what people are 
that whole movement was trying to mimic the exact movement of what you're doing in your sport. Yeah. That's sort of how it started. Yeah. And before that term came into popular use, the idea was to isolate a muscle, strengthen it, and bring that stronger muscle to the game of the whole body, the game of the whole body, whatever you're doing. And because if you're a tennis player, for example, you know, you're hitting a lot of tennis balls. So you're getting that movement pattern, the practice of it or swimming, um, a lot, a heck of a lot. So you don't need to mimic that, um, movement in the gym. What you need to do is strengthen all the muscles that are, used in that particular movement and and try increase your range of motion as well and so it's it's about um strengthening the muscles and increasing force production so like i i i believe it's most of the uh stuff you do in the gym should be isolation work okay you know because the function of stuff happens in the movement you're doing that's right you're doing a lot of that you know and so um um so the idea is is then you can bring those stronger more mobilized muscles to your swim bike run work where they're able to produce more force and are less likely to get injured. Um, another point here, people who live in real winter climates. So I, I have worked with a lot of those people, you know, poor people in Toronto. Uh, <laughs> uh, shout out to Tara. Uh, they they should probably learn to do winter sports, like cross-country skiing yeah. and, and get some snowshoes uh, for running. And hiking is excellent, too. You know, if you if your if your place is covered in snow for months a year, um, but but again, you know, there's so many good tools in gyms now, uh, treadmills, you know, uh, indoor riding tools like yeah. Smart Trainers, Swift, uh, so much good content on TV, YouTube, uh, on the internet, races to watch, events, whatever. You know, you can keep your training uh, interesting and educational as well. Uh, yeah. If you're, if you're stuck indoors for months at a time. And uh, I think it's it's it also makes you appreciate when you can get outside mm. and get, get in the sun, um, you know. Uh, so anyway, I, I do feel for the people who live in real winter climates. I do my best to avoid winter uh, <laughs> and have for a very long time. Do you travel? You you live crisis now? Well, yeah. Um, most last... 15 years almost every winter i I was able to get away last year i got stuck in noosa poor me (laughs) (laughs) and and then went to colorado to visit my son in august and september so i I missed a whole winter last year yeah uh and so it looks like we'll be able to get back to queensland this year yeah yeah. Um, our little bubble just opened up so that's good um so anyway that's my little point about um training in winter climates uh my next point is there is a very good book joe friel's book uh and I think somebody mentioned it in the Facebook. Um, Fast over fifty. We, we interviewed yeah. him when he brought it out. Actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a very good book. I, I do, I do, I liked it. I think it's good information, um, and uh, its emphasis is on strength training, a, a, a type of strength training, and always working on your top end. He says, "Don't. That's the. That's what you're losing." Uh, most as you get older, endurance, your low grade endurance, your zone one, zone two, you, you can hang on to that and the speed at which you move uh, when you're going easy, um, that takes a very long time to deteriorate. But your top end stuff, you know, your 5K speed, your race speed for an hour, two hour race, that falls off dramatically 
probably from about age 50, 55. And then once you get over 60, it's, it falls off a cliff. And that's, uh, I'm looking at that right now. <laughs> so, yeah. Is there an ambulance down there <laughs> at the bottom of that cliff? Um, so um, it's a good book. I recommend it for, for just about everybody. The only thing that um, differs from his advice to my advice is his idea of gym work is, is quite different than mine. You know, he would probably say to me, Scott, you train like a bodybuilder. You know, a lot of sets, a lot of reps, uh, a lot of different exercises, um, and um, probably to such a degree that it impacts your other training. Yeah. That's, that's probably what he would say to me. And uh, But I've I've built up... My gym, yeah. I, you know, I've always done it, but you know, even, even when I've had breaks from it, I build it up again slowly. Yeah. You know, I don't just come back and slam myself. I was, and that, that goes for anything. You know, when I take long breaks from swimming, you know, I, I don't get in the pool and do yeah. what I do what I did before my break. So you're wise and you're how you're I'm, I'm much better, much better at building up slowly yeah. after I've had a break. And, um, but anyway, so I, I, I do, um, so, but you, and you would recommend you prefer your way for other people as well? Um, cause you're saying you don't necessarily yeah. agree with his strength advice. Yes, I, I do. I would say the way, the way that I, my approach to gym training is, is about the only thing that, that I would, I would, uh, differ from his opinion. And not that, not that his opinion about how to go about it isn't good, yeah. but I, th- I think, uh, for a lot of people, Just uh, strong. Yeah, the 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 emphasis and the change that I would advise and I do advise uh, would be different than his. Okay, cool. But it's, it's like I say, get. I think it's a great book. If you could write a book, it would be called what? Sexy after sixty. Sexy. Uh, <laughs> you're pulling it off, mate. You're pulling it off. <laughs> um, and and um, so I put a little note here to yeah. discuss uh, ideas on hormonal optimization and uh, staying agile and mobile and athletic after 60. I think, you know, it's very easy to get rigid, stiff, immobile, you know, uh, unathletic. You know, these are all the things that I don't want for myself uh, after after 60. Um, but the, the hormonal thing is, 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 a, is a tough one. And I'll throw it out there right now because it's, it's, it's definitely an issue in our, in our sport, and especially for women over 50, 60, is that if you're on hormonal replacement. Yeah. Uh, do you do that? Uh, I'd rather not say. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but, uh, um, because I, I think it's, it's a very personal uh, choice. Okay. But, but uh, I remember uh, having this discussion uh, online with Mark Allen. And he said, he said well, that's why they have age groups is because as you get older, your hormonal uh, status, your hormones drop. Yep. And, um, so it keeps it fair? It keeps it fair. Yeah. It's the only way to do it is to make sure that you know you have five year age groups and and the 60 year old is not having the hormonal uh composition hormonal uh, levels of a 25 year old mm-hmm. right and so so i think that's enough on that subject if if if, if the rules the, rule, the rules say if you if you're taking hormonal supplements you can't you're you're breaking the rules you're not you should not compete it's a hard one isn't it because it's, it's a lifestyle thing now Yes. You know, this isn't just an athlete. Lots of older people are starting to get into hormone replacement therapy. Yes. You know, and so it's 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 one of those, you know, murky waters which the sport will have to kind of work towards because I, I think eventually maybe a lot of people will be using it and most people may be using it for health reasons, not just for athletic advantage. Yes, and I, th- I think that the way that, that what we're realizing about health is hormonal health, the levels of your hormones, 
largely determine your health, mm. every aspect of your health, including your brain health. Mm. And so if you want to be healthy and vibrant into your 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, that that that's going to be the first area that you look at. Yeah. It's like, okay, if I uh, control that aspect of my health, how will it affect all the other areas? And so, uh, yeah. And so, but you can do some things other than supplement your, your, your with hormones to optimize your hormonal health. And one of the things is, uh, reducing your cortisol. That's a stress hormone. And if it's constantly elevated, then it's, um, uh, a negative impact on your, your muscle development, your recovery, uh, and your, and your sports performance. And so, uh, Reducing inflammation, reducing cortisol, uh, and doing the type of exercise that increases testosterone, that increases growth hormone, which is heavy resistance yeah. exercise, hard stuff, yeah. VO2 max stuff, top end stuff. You know, that's the type of stuff that stimulates your body to, pr- to produce uh, good hormonal response, mm-hmm. right? But too much of it, of course, and chronic training uh, leads to elevated inflammation and elevated cortisol. And so you've got to be wary. It's of, a fine line. Uh, yeah, of yeah. doing too much, right? And and also, you know, if, if you read any about uh, books on health lately, you know, reducing stress mm-hmm. overall, because mm. that's another uh, way to increase inflammation and increase cortisol, then that's going to negatively impact your sport, even if the stress is not exercise related, mm. right? And so um, that's my that's my little bit on that. Yeah. Uh, you know about trying to look look at how you can optimize your hormonal health. Yeah. Um, ask yourself questions. The questions you have for yourself. For right. The, the main question I uh, I ask is, you know, what do I want to be able to do when I'm seventy or eighty, right? And and the answer is, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, but I, what I do know is I, I want to be, have the options open to me, right? I don't want to be limited by a terrible physical capacity or destroyed joints. Yeah. Like you, you and I were talking about um, my knee before the show started. And, uh, you know, uh, I could be possibly looking at another knee surgery now in order to, to run again, run decently. Um, but, but surgeons only cut bits out of your knees. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've had uh, one small operation on each knee already. And so you can't just keep cutting bits out cutting bits out that's your padding that's your lubrication you know so so i'm at the point now where i'm thinking oh you know am i am i if i keep continue to run at the level i want to run at am i going to destroy my joints and not even be able to do all the other things i want to do like like i've never been backpacking in nepal for example that's high on my bucket list and so it's like oh melina you know don't screw yourself up so bad that you can't do other cool stuff play golf whatever you know in your 70s and 80s and so that's the main question. I, the answer is, I don't know what I want to do when I'm 70 or 80. I might want to do Ironmans. I don't know. But I want to at least have the opportunity Yeah. should I decide to do that stuff. So so it's using those questions to give you forward thinking and may help you make better choices today. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Same thing like, you know, if you're thinking about your retirement, uh, you know, how much money are you going to want to yeah. have when you're 60, 70, 80 to live, yeah. you know? And okay, so... 
if I buy this new car now, mm. you know, how's that going to impact my life 20 yeah. years down the road? And so that's, it's the same sort of idea. Yeah, no, right? I, I, I teach that for my daughter of investing. I've, I've got my daughter to investing pretty young and it's like, Make decisions today, 20 years from now, you'll be so glad you made. Yes. You know, and, you know, you know, 20 years from now, my daughter was really glad when she was 23, she bought her first home. You know, right. like it's that kind of thing that right. it is, you know, sometimes in life you have to make those decisions for your future, don't you? That's right. And so, yeah. I, so I continue to ask myself that question and say, okay, Melina, if you, if you, you know, do another ultra marathon right now, you know, how's it going to affect you 20, 30 yeah. years from now? Yeah. yeah. And, and is it still hard to do? It is still hard to do. I mean, my, my, my dear wife has been in the orthopedic implant business for 15, 17 years and just got out. And, and so I do know that you can replace your joints. That's what she does. She sells yeah. joints. Uh, to, <laughs> As you do. She sells body parts to uh, surgeons. But, um, but I also see that the well, hips, I'm not too worried about. But knees, so far the outcomes generally are not fantastic yeah. and it's not guaranteed yep. and so um I'm, I'm really trying to look after my knees especially I mean, and my shoulders too I've, yep. like for instance i'm not bike racing uh, anymore because uh, fall off? Uh, oh, oh man i've had so many bad crashes and uh, the last one i had uh about three seasons ago um i couldn't swim for six weeks okay so it's just not worth it i thought i thought if I land on that shoulder again, forget it. That yeah, okay. my my swimming career might be over. Yeah, okay. And I want to swim till I'm dead. Yeah. And so I decided, okay, that's I'm not going to bike race anymore. Yeah, nice. Yeah, well, that's that is the, the aging thing, isn't it? Is the choices you make change, aren't they? Yeah, you know? that's right. You know, and fundamentally, I think what you're saying is I still want to be able to move in a way that I can live life how I like. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, well, well. Yeah, that's awesome. Let's wrap it up because, uh, well, because we kind of, there's no questions answered. So, you know, I am going to do Wing of the Week and I pulled up someone while you're talking and I, and I pulled up number 88 because that was the year you won Kona, wasn't it? That's true. Yeah, and it was Steve D. Morton. Steve D. Morton, uh, he lives in Australia in Greensboro, Victoria. And he's looks like he's fading away from his training a bit recently. He trained a pretty big November, December, and he pulled away from that. Uh, but he, last week he got 88th in the Strava, our Strava group. So if you want to go on our Strava group and become a winger of the week, you can get it. Well, just just lastly. Holy smokes. Was Man, that? these people train a lot. Oh, I know. Jeez. Yeah, they beasted. You know, I, I listen to your uh, to this to the show every week. And, yeah. Uh, but I never actually scrolled down the whole list like this. Yeah. And if you go yeah. last week, so like last week, someone did you know, 17 hours of biking, 31 hours, Kevin Powell, 31 hours of training, you nutbar. Uh, something's coming up. Yeah. So so there you go. Yeah. Uh, let's wrap the show up. Okay. So if you want to become a patron, oh, let's send name a few patrons. I'll go first. I'm going to say Guy Whitbury around the world. Ooh, wait a minute. You've got to wait get down the page, the patrons. You lost me. Um, I'll do the second one then I'll go Patty Crib and it's a soul destroyer ah uh, found you and have you got the last one there last one Patrick Washington the uh, divided one the divided one <laughs> what, 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 what did you do Patrick to get, <laughs> yeah. to get that nickname not quite, not quite sure uh, if you want to become a patron just go go to www.iamtalk.me it's go to support the show on there also if you want to th- I want to say a big thank you to all the patrons because you really support the show keep going doing what we're doing uh, our sponsor today was Beam remember Beam creates high quality functional supplements for better balance performance 
recovery and sleep and you go to beamtlc.com and the discount code is IamTalk for all for the American listeners. Uh, if you want to get the show emailed to you down the front of the front page, you just go there. Uh, if you want to get some coaching from Coach John Newsom, you go to coachjohnnewsom.com. For my podcast, Bevan James Owens, I actually interviewed a really cool guy called Mark McLennan last week who was an Australian. Do you know Mark McLennan? Can I interrupt? Yeah. Your uh, podcast, you inserted a, uh, into yep. this podcast yep. on about change. Oh, yeah. I thought it was fantastic. Oh, thank it you. It was very well done, very clearly thought out, and certainly gave me some ideas about uh, the way I'm going about things in my life. Oh, thank you. And uh, especially that question, not how can I solve this problem, but who yeah. can solve this problem. Yeah. You know, a lot of people uh, think, well, just just that question yeah. alone would um, would be critical. It's actually changed. It's really because I've actually employed a, a person to take over a lot of my work. Right. Um, and so things like this show, not normally once we record, it's probably two or three hours of work for me. Right. Now it's 10 minutes. Right. And now what I've done is I've got time, I'm creating new stuff. Right. And I'm doing the, the work I want to and we should be doing. Right. You know, and it's, yeah, it's, it's really, I appreciate it. Thank anyway, you. Anyway, so. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, so you can check out my podcast, bevanjamesowers.com. Um, other cool websites, age group of the week, other information, email, iamtalkpodcast at gmail.com. What's your goss? Goss. Oh, God. Here we go. Well, the bubble's opened up. Are you yeah. going to go over? Uh, so, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to Queensland. Uh, at some point, my uh, oldest daughter, my dear daughter, uh, turns 40 in, on July 17th. Wow. And so uh, the plan is we'll all go over to Queensland and hang out in the sun for uh, a couple of weeks. She has two girls age 8 and 10. And Noosa, is she a Noosa, is she? No, she, she lives in Christchurch. Oh, okay. oh so she's going to take the family over. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, so okay, we're great. all going over. Uh, oh, what a cool to, experience. In the middle of winter. And um, so I might... Make an, an extended stay, uh, <laughs> like I did last year. Um, don't know about that yet. And um, what other goss? Uh, um, Is Aaron retired? Aaron just sold her business um, a few months ago. Maybe it's is it four months ago? I can't see Aaron being the retired type. Well. She's on an indefinite break from anything right now, okay. and just uh, just not throwing herself into anything okay. and uh we decided that as the last last few years it's like okay she's going to work towards selling her business and then when she does she take a moment take a moment take yeah. a breath and uh give yourself time to just let things percolate let ideas percolate uh, a little bit longer than she's prone to do okay nice yeah nice. so no i i, I think she'll she has some ideas already and some projects uh and uh so we'll see you still need purpose don't you yeah that's yeah, right purpose yeah. uh she she no she's she's got her little um projects already around town uh people that she helps uh and that, that gives her tremendous satisfaction helping them out and so something more along that uh, those lines uh probably i have a feeling that's the direction she'll go in what's your purpose now my purpose is to not get in my wife's way <laughs> <laughs> mostly uh, not f up not f up uh in, in any in any dumb shit way um i still i still enjoy helping people in in triathlon yeah and um i have a few projects here in christchurch people i work with that are, that are tremendously satisfying to work with them um my my but my new um purpose it 
my new project is I'm gonna, I'm putting a little um, community food garden oh, wow. in the red zone land across around my our house. Okay. So so people might who are not from Christchurch might not know this, but red zone land means the government has said you cannot build on it. Yeah. Because of the earthquakes, it's not safe. So our house is surrounded by it. Oh, really? Right. And so the city council is has been coming along and maintaining it. They've planted some stuff there. They come with their weed whackers and keep yep. the weeds down. And so I've I've just taken over the <laughs> the land around my house and just planting trees and really? berries and um, hopefully it'll it'll grow into other things too. Wow. There's one in Kaipoi, uh, not too far from us. Yeah, we're it's, quite lucky in Christchurch. There's, there's a big area that was a big part of the city that's basically all red zone, and it's going to be an it's a huge. Yeah, yeah, incredible. It, it's like having a bloody forest in the in the middle of a big city. Yeah, and like because we've got Hagley Park, which is a big park anyway yes. in a big city, but it's probably three or four times that, isn't that's it? That's right. You know, and it's not there yet. No, a lot of work, but five, ten years from now, we're so spoiled. Like it's yeah. horrible that the quakes happen, but yeah. But they but they should be allowing people to to take over little areas. Yeah, have some initiative, eh? And and grow some food. And are the are the council resistant to what you're doing? Uh, they're not resistant to it, but they're not they're not promoting it either. Okay, really. And so uh, I've just taken it upon myself. It's just I, I I this land is sitting there. Yeah. You know, and all it takes is a little bit of labor, a little bit of money, and some water. Are you normally a gardener? Uh, yeah, I yeah, am. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But but that but I've stepped it up a lot. Yeah. So uh, I'll I'll invite you up once I've got it uh, to a, to a degree where uh, I think okay I'll I'll start showing people this. And is it something you want to get more other people involved in, or is it just kind of Melina's project? Uh, at the moment, it's just me. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. What a cool thing to have. Yeah. It's 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 been a, a fun thing to start. Yeah. Nice. Right. And let's wrap it up. So you know you know how the show finishes. So we go. Um. Uh. What is it? I mean. What have I got? I forgot, totally forgot the ending. We go. I mean, drain hard, train smart. What is it? How does it go? I've totally forgotten the ending of the show. How could you? Do, I you, know, you, don't have, you don't have it written down because you don't need to. No, I go, I mean, I mean, what is that? Train. Uh, train hard, train smart. Uh, <laughs> I bet this. How long have we been doing this show? Wait a second, I've got to go to the show notes. Kayak, uh, I am talk. I'm thinking of the Legends one. We swam, we, they biked, they ran. They you just listened to another legend. Uh, Iron Russ. Iron Russ. Iron men don't. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I missed a Kia kaha part, sorry. <laughs> That's right, because I'm, I've totally went blank. You, you made me go blank, mate. Right. Hey, thanks for coming on the show. It's been absolutely awesome having you here today. I'm sure everyone else loved listening to you. Good fun. Awesome, mate. Thank you.